0: Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the word "bank" to 200200. hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's bank to 200200. Oh, hello! It's Trump Day. How you doing? April twenty-fifth. It is your morning ritual with me, Garrett Lewis, KNST AM seven ninety two Sons. Most stimulating talk. And there are three things I think you need to know. Number one, every major school district in southern Arizona, in the Tucson area, I guess the greater Tucson area is what I should say, in the greater Tucson area is uh, closing up shop tomorrow and Friday, and who knows, it could be longer. It could be longer because, well, they're going to walk out. The teachers are going to walk out, and apparently it's more than people thought. Even the Vail superintendent. Didn't think it would be as many teachers walking out, and then he was shocked. Like, well, I guess we got to close down here. Uh, this is not going to end well for the teachers. I'm just saying this now. Not going to, uh, not going to end well. Second thing that I think you need to know: more is coming out. And this is how important it is. It's related. More is coming out about this. Uh, this guy Noah Carvelis. Noah Carvelis. Uh, he is the leader of the Red for Ed movement. He is a music teacher. He is a big time progressive nut job. And his tweets are being uncovered. By the way, he teaches music at Trey Rio Academy, Trey Trace Rios Service Academy in Tollison. He specializes in hip hop. Yet he's white. Oh, yeah, appropriating culture. Anyway, he actually said uh, he posted on Twitter in December of this past year. Teaching is political and silence is complicity. So, again, if you're a teacher that you're getting messed up, you're getting mixed up in this red for red crap, you are being used, used. Wait, I have more on him coming up in just a second. This guy is bad news and you guys are being led down a wrong path by a progressive nut job. I'm just letting you know. Letting you know. Third thing I think you need to know despite the media wanting the Arizona special election you know there was a special election in Arizona yesterday District eight Trent Franksville district up in uh, you know they have it uh, they, part of it is Sun City up in uh, West the West Valley it's part of the district um, the Dems and the media were hoping especially the media hoping that the Democrat would actually win I knew there was no chance. But they were hoping these national storylines, and that's why you can't believe these national storylines, because they don't really know what's going on on the ground and what these areas are really like. And Debbie Lesko won very easily. As a matter of fact, AP called it like an hour and eight minutes after polls closed. So uh, she won. She won easily. Good luck. Okay? Good luck. Three things I think you need to know. Now, you got to hear about this guy. Breitbart has this great story on on this guy, and I will put it... uh, I'll put it on my Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Garrett Lewis Radio. Like and follow, and you're going to need to share it. I'll tweet it out at Garrett Lewis on Twitter. This Noah Carvelis was has been urging teachers way before this Red for Red movement started, urging teachers on Twitter to teach anti capitalistic things. Well, what does that mean? What's going on? Well, yeah. He actually tweeted out, November 27th, 2017, a picture of, I guess, of a paper? Yes. Oh, it was a book. It was a book. He recommended to uh, his fellow teachers a book, a pedagogy of anti-capitalist, anti-racism, colon, whiteness, neoliberalism, and resistance in education by Zachary A. Casey. Resistance. And again, this is after teachers that have called this show saying they're conservative and a Republican. And just because this guy's up there, you know, we don't have to all see eye to eye. It's all for the teachers and the kids. B.S., man. B.S. Whiteness, neoliberalism and resistance in education. And he tweeted a picture of that and he said this this one is a must read for any teacher, but especially. Critical. Pedagogies, one of the best uh, contributions I've come across. Uh Remember, he was a campaign manager to elect Democrat Kathy Hoffman for Arizona Superintendent of Public Instruction. What? Yep. Volunteered for Bernie. He tweeted out December. What date is this? Uh, December in December 2017. Teaching is political and silence is complicity. He then tweeted out December 10th, 2017, things more educators should discuss, especially if they work with young white men in the classroom in 2018. I mean, because the young white men are the problem. You've got to deprogram them, got to demasculinize them, got to deball them. This guy said these three things need to be Discussed by educators, especially if they work with young white men. One, gender, feminism, and hashtag me too. Number two, race. Number three, gun violence. Gun violence. Is this making you mad at the teachers yet? Because this is the guy that's leading the movement for Red for Ed. You see, when you drive around, you see neighbors, see friends, see other people just random people, random cars. Where people put on the back of their windshield, right? Red for red, red for red. How many teachers, by the way, do you think are being forced to not go to work, but want to go to work? Oh, quite a bit, actually. I know of a couple. Really? Yeah. Do My she- kids' classes. Would the teachers have told them this? Mm-hmm. Really? Directly. Especially a lot of the AP teachers. Really? Yeah. And it, it, I felt great because they were like, this isn't why we're here. I'm here to get you ready for higher learning in college and, wow. and, and, and that
1: indoctrination over there
0: uh, but
1: they're very serious especially now it's test time and he's yeah. still taking tests yeah so my oldest son
0: is going in on saturday to study for a test hmm saturday huh saturday that's dedication right there yeah, dedication even... but who's gonna who's gonna be teaching him or it's, is just gonna the teacher the teacher so they're not it's outside of school school hours so they're not working thursday or friday but they want to get them ready so they're volunteering their time yep. to teach that that is fantastic yeah, of that that's teacher. what i said too by the way we're gonna have frank riggs he's running for state superintendent gonna have him on at seven ten. this guy is a brilliant guy i w- i first met frank i want to say six years ago seven years whatever it might have been five years ago. i can't remember i'll ask him when I believe he was running for Congress against Martha McSally and a couple of others it was the second go around and it was a primary and I moderated a debate down in Green Valley and I was extremely impressed by everything he said. And I said, it's, it's not even a question he is the best candidate for this, but he didn't have the, the swamp behind him. So Martha won. Anyway, uh, we'll get his take on all this stuff, the walkout, you notice they're not calling it a strike, they're calling it a walkout. It's a freaking strike. Strikes are illegal in Arizona for this to happen, but so we're calling it a walk. But it's a strike anyway. It's yeah, it's not that? a dog; it's a canine. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, it's, can I have extra fry, extra for extra fries, extra ranch, and a diet coke? She's not um, my roommate. She's, <laughs> oh, she, she's not my wife. She's my roommate. Exactly. <laughs> so this guy Carvelis is a student of critical pedagogy, a teaching approach inspired by the Frankfurt School or critical theory. And other radical philosophies that aim to develop Marxism. Marxism. That's what this guy's about. Again, he specializes in hip-hop as he teaches music at Trace Rios Service Academy in Tolleson. Um, After the Parkland school shooting. Two plus months ago. uh, He tweeted out. Emphasize gun control. Emphasize toxic-slash-violent masculinity. Emphasize whiteness-slash-white supremacy. We have to face uncomfortable topics to stop this. Wow. That was February 16th, two days after the shooting. Wow. That's what this guy's about, right? He also is all about Black Lives Matter. February 6th, 2018. He tweeted hashtag black lives matter at school for our class means one using Kendrick Lamar and Lauren Hill to discuss black identity. Lauren Hill's gone a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puff. She was part of the Fugees Two, connecting this identity to activism and three removing my voice as much as possible. And letting the students and the culture speak hashtag hashtag hip hop ed. Oh, yeah. So, again. Are you a teacher that's listening? I'd love to hear from you. And you're okay with this? Did you know about this? Are you Were you bamboozled? Thought this guy was a good guy? Hmm. So anyway, uh, there's more. He uh, tweeted out a month ago, March 24th, two personal favorite parts of Red for Red so far. One, seeing educators so empowered. Two, The incredible discussions this has started with my students on workers' rights, labor movements, civil disobedience, and fighting for necessary social change. This is the poster child of why we get mad as hell at education today and teachers. What he is doing is indoctrinating students and he wants a 20% raise for this crap. I don't even know if it's about the money. It's about the, the power and the control. Once they can get this, what are they going to ask for next? This is a freaking music teacher that is talking about fighting for necessary social change in music class? Is this okay? I mean, all of a sudden this guy is able to, to talk about these things with the kids? This month, by the way, this Noah Carvelis gave an interview while sitting in his public school classroom with students present about Red for Red to Radio Sputnik which is owned and operated by the Russian government. Uh, I'll let you know about that coming up. And by the way, 880-KNST, 880-5678. Does this do anything for you? Again, teachers. Why would you want to be part of this? Maybe you thought it was really about the students. Maybe you thought it was really about getting new stuff, getting funding back, or just about getting a raise. But when this guy's leading the charge... Does it not make you say, hmm, maybe this isn't the best of ideas right now, right? You think that? Maybe. Maybe. You should think that. You're being bamboozled, man. You are being, you're being tricked. This is a hoax. Bottom line, 880-KNST, 880-5678. I'll put this on my Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Garrett Lewis radio, like it and follow it. And then, uh, I'll tell you what, um, I will, I will, uh, also be doing some during the show. And I have to do after the show too. I've been a little busy, uh, FaceTime, FaceTime, Facebook live. I keep doing the face. It's the damn thing. You FaceTime everybody. Hey, Facebook FaceTime live. Yeah, there you go. I'll do it all. So it's, it's fun stuff there too. Uh, stay with me. I'll get you the latest on his radio Sputnik interview. And there's much more we need to talk about coming up. Frank Riggs at seven ten. Uh, very very smart guy. Very smart. I wish he'd run for governor. Uh, very smart guy. Uh, Three term congressman. All this stuff. He's going to come up at seven ten with some insight on this whole walkout and what it takes to get. I have great. I have questions for him. I can't wait to hear his answers. You know, how can we really justify giving teachers a raise? How can we measure things? What can what can be done differently? And all kinds of stuff. He he's a big fan of charter schools. We'll get into all that. K N S T A M seven ninety two Sons. Most stimulating talk. Shut. Hi, it's Garrett Lewis, and it's 6 30 here on KNST AM 790. 61 out now, 94 for the high, 96 tomorrow. We might be back in the uh, low 80s for a high Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week. We can only hope. And that'd be May. That'd be May. By the way, next Tuesday, I'll be leading a debate. I'll be moderating the debate, actually. Uh, three out of the five CD2 members, Republican CD2 uh, candidates, I should say, CD2 candidates, uh will be answering questions. Only a hundred seats were available. I believe some people already politely backed out. It's free tickets, but you need to get a ticket to get in. Fire code. Pima Community College is where it's going to be off of uh off of Shannon. Um go to Pima County dot Pima County com. And request a ticket or two so you can see uh, these people. Leah Marquez Peterson is pulling a Martha McSilent and not showing up. But I'll be, let me tell you something. I've already uh, gone over some questions and it's going to be good, good. So give me one sec, give me one sec. Um, Now really quick, one more about this. Noah Carvelis. So he did an interview with the Russian-owned, Russian government-owned and operated Radio Sputnik. During the interview, again, listeners can hear. He was at the school with kids there. Listeners can actually hear the school bells. He even talks about it, and he admits students are present in his classroom as he's talking to Radio Sputnik, pushing red for red. Uh, The Daily Beast reported in February that internal documents show guests never make it onto Radio Sputnik's airwaves without the approval of the state-owned media organ close to... Russian President Vladimir Putin. So Vladimir gave the okay for this guy to, to spout this, uh, well, whatever he wants to say about education in Arizona. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Yeah. Uh, in the interview, Carvelis the nut said, we're organized. We're mobilized. We have a group of over 40,000 members organized within a group. We're calling Arizona Educators United. And we're continuing to take action, formalizing our demands, all sorts of things. This guy is a loon. And he is teaching kids. This is why nobody, a lot of people don't want to give raises to teachers. And then you get dopey teachers that are like, oh yeah, this is good. They don't even know anything about this guy and they're following him blindly. Oh, you totally deserve a raise. Genius. You know how bad it is? There's a lady that works here yesterday. uh, that, That works here. And yesterday we were talking. And she has family members that are teachers. Ryan witnessed this, and she's like, but it's good, they need this, and blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't know what it is. And then she actually just got here a little while ago, and she's wearing a red shirt, and she was listening on the way in. During the break, she comes in, she says, I wish I knew more about this nut job, and I wouldn't have worn this red shirt. I'll put it on Facebook. I'm going to put it on Twitter. I already did put it on Twitter. Uh oh there's oh there's there's more. We'll get more we'll get more of this. Again, Frank Riggs coming up at 7:10. 7, 7:10. 10. 7, 10. Um I'll give you the latest by the way on uh the well with with this the striking that's going to happen. Uh this current superintendent of schools is threatening to investigate teachers that strike. What can happen there? Um A sales tax idea has been floated. I'll get you that idea as well. And apparently all lawmakers on all sides think Doug Ducey is full of it when it comes to his idea of getting money to pay for all this stuff. So we'll get to all that coming up. Don't go anywhere on KNST. Here is Fox. Team Talk. 641. On, uh, On this Trump day, how you doing? Everything good? Frank Riggs running for state superintendent. Brilliant guy. And you know, I don't really give compliments about many people. It's true, except myself. I mean, I love me some me. We know. Well, good. It's working. He's going to join us uh, at 710 this morning, talk about the walkout, the salaries, how to improve education, how to hold teachers accountable, parents accountable, students unit, everything, everything when it comes to that stuff. You. Thank you. The uh, first thing I think you need to know is that the uh, the all the major school districts here in the greater Tucson area are going to be closed Thursday and Friday, and who knows how much longer they will be closed. It all depends on the length of the walkout or strike or whatever they want to call it, and And stuff like that, okay? Um, So that just stinks. What are you going to do with your kids? Are you mad about that? We'll talk about all that stuff. Second thing that I think you need to know, I put this story on my Facebook page and I tweeted it out. Uh, This music teacher that is in charge of Red for Ed, Noah Carvelis, is a complete anti-capitalist, complete anti-gun, social justice warrior that's a music teacher at a school in Tolleson that is against toxic masculinity, pro-gun control, likes indoctrinating kids in class. And again, he is the one, and he's a big-time progressive. He, he tried leading the campaign for a Democrat for state superintendent. He uh, volunteered for Bernie's people. He's worked at other progressive uh, organizations that their goal is to take down Trumpism. I mean, it's all there. And this guy is the one that started the Red for Red and is leading the charge. He talks, he thinks you should talk about um, um, civil disobedience with your kids and with with his students in the classroom with all this stuff. Are you kidding me right now? What an activist nut. And he's a teacher, a music teacher. Uh, People need to know this, especially the teachers, you're getting bamboozled. Third thing I think you need to know, Debbie Lesko, the Republican, won the special election in Arizona yesterday pretty easily, despite the media somehow claiming that Democrats have their eye on that, uh, that uh, seat in Arizona. Oh, yeah, they they could win it. Blue Wave, they could win. Not a chance. Enough. Get out of here. So she won it pretty easily. Uh, AP called it just over an hour after the, the polls closed. It was obvious. Beat it. Three things I think you need to know. Simple as that. And by the way, I'd love to hear from teachers. If teachers, if you're not bothered by this because you're trying to justify whatever, you want more, I get it that you want more money. Who doesn't want more money? But you have to, I mean, you have to do your best to sit back and acknowledge that the guy that is leading the charge for Red for Red is a complete nut. That nobody that listens to this station and any parent that has at least a half a brain would say, I don't feel comfortable with my kid being taught by this guy. That's it. That's it. Uh, By the way, Republican uh, lawmaker was thinking about a sales tax. A sales tax to float the uh, the raises and whatever else the funding, but uh, it's being shot down by people on all sides. Uh, and the reason that's being shot down by people on all sides, well, it's um it's because and this is uh this this is this is really this is really crazy. But um, it's being shot down by people on all sides. Because nobody wants to uh, make people that aren't rich pay a tax. So, like, that's going to that's gonna affect people that are poor more than anybody else. We should raise taxes on rich people. And the the Democrats are saying, no, no, just just uh, end, end the corporate tax breaks. Make them pay more. Yet, of course, they create jobs. So whatever. So you have all that stuff. 880-KNST, 880-5678. Absolute craziness as to what is going on with, with this whole school situation. Uh, let's go to Allison really quick. Allison, welcome to KNST. Hi. Hi.
2: Good morning, Garrett. Um, my um, children go to school in Vail. Um, actually, last, the year before, they were in a private school. I pulled them out to attend the school a school in Vail uh, that has gotten extremely high ratings. And up until now, I've been extremely happy with their um, everything about it. Um, I I noticed you know, this week and a little bit last week, there was some teachers wearing red red shirts or whatever, nothing else. And um, my daughter has a school field trip planned on Thursday, so I, I specifically called last week because I took the day off work to go with her on her field trip. Um, I called and I emailed the principal, and she called me back within, like, less than an hour early in the morning on Friday to assure me that the school would indeed be open, that they didn't know how many teachers were planning on participating, but their school would be open. Mm -hmm. Um, And on Monday, Tuesday-ish, the superintendents sent out an email to all the the parents saying that they were planning on keeping the schools open, that they wanted the the kids to be safe, and they follow the act statement, which has to do with, like, respect and, you know, all that stuff. Um, And then yesterday, we got an email from the superintendent saying that they were planning to close the schools. Uh, Even their school... And a lot of the teachers at the school did not know that they were planning on closing. I got I've gotten the very distinct impression that there are a lot of teachers that um, and staff for that matter that are not in favor of this walkout um, and are I don't know why being pressured and really for lack of a better term, bullied yeah, into being bullied. going along with it. Yeah. And um, I, I called the district, I emailed the superintendent, I emailed the principal, and gave them a huge piece of my mind. But basically, I my main point was, I don't understand how um, we're supposed to be teaching our kids to not throw temper tantrums, to not bully, mm-hmm. to not um, threaten and harass to get their way, and yet that's exactly what this this is all about. This, this is so political, and I find mostly... Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of teachers that are very highly educated. I, I would think that they're pretty intelligent, but really, when you step back and look at it, this is the exact same thing as, to me, as the Black Lives Matter movement. This has absolutely nothing to do with the, the students and probably a, a lot less than they would like to think to do with the classroom and the teachers. This is all, and I agree with you, The look, look at the person that's in charge of this. This is... Straight out of um, the anarchist, anarchist playbook, straight out of it, and I can't believe that more people don't see through that. And I'm so mad. I don't even know what else to do. I, I couldn't even sit down and explain it to my kids because I, I don't support it at all.
0: And they they try to you know, and, and I'm glad you pick up on this. It, it's hard to explain. It's, it's and it's very it's very frustrating. It screws up your life. It screws up your kids' lives. And and you just sit back and, and you say. You know, you, you, they try to bamboozle you with emotion. It's about pay. It's about money. We need to be able to live. We need to be able to live. Uh, you know, and you want to sit back and say, well, all right, hang on a second. We'd all like to earn extra money. How many teachers are homeless? How many teachers are literally begging for food on the streets? Yeah. They give you every sob story to try to to convince you emotionally. And I'm not saying teachers are overpaid. They, they probably, everybody, listen, everybody is underpaid in what they do. You ask anybody, they're all underpaid, right? That's just the way it is. Everybody's a choice I, I mean, I think
2: everyone agrees, you know, that we support the idea of them being paid more. Yes. Not that, but you're right. You know, a lot of people, I've heard you talk about that point. They really don't get paid for a year's work. They get paid for nine, or, yeah, nine months-ish.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: they're off on all the federal holidays, and, and in our school district, we have year-round schools, so they get long breaks, like two, three-week breaks mm-hmm. every quarter, and, and, and so... I, I do think that they should be paid more, but but I don't understand what this is even about because supposedly they're going to get their raise. Now they're saying they want pay higher pay for the uh, other workers. Yeah, for cafeteria and, you know, workers, janitors, yeah, teachers,
0: aides. Don't. Yeah, it's like and it's uh, that's not their place to demand that.
2: No, I, and that's not the way the real world works. This is a horrible example to set, and I don't think a lot of the people, even in those those positions feel That way because they're they will not be getting paid for not mm-hmm. being at work. And exactly. I don't exactly they, they've been pressured into it as well. And I guess my point for at least for our district was I really thought that you were you all were above reproach. I thought you were better than let's say TUSD or other districts. How are you how are you kowtowing to this? And 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 also, what I didn't understand was um, I just um, I, I just I don't I don't understand how this is really going to fix the problem, and it's it is going to be such a huge ripple effect. I mean, so many people are going to be out of work and not not getting paid, and not knowing what to do with their children, and the aftercare programs are shut down, and it's just it, it doesn't make any sense when you look at it from you a, know what it is. I, I
0: that, that's why hang on a second. I think it's kind of like they're trying to overthrow the system in that aspect. If you exactly. look at if you look yeah. at hang on if you look at Oklahoma, the teachers got mad there because the lawmakers. Redid their pension in the middle of the school year. So they're like, "Screw that! You're messing with my money." Nobody's messing with money now. The teachers are—they have contracts. They're supposed to show up to work, you know. that They're supposed to do their job. And if they don't not, like and it, and they're
2: not being penalized. I'm, yeah. I'm a nurse. If I walk out on my patients during a shift, that is according to state law, patient abandonment. And I could very easily be subject to lose my license. And I don't understand how this is any different. Why? Because the superintendent specifically said, no, none of the teachers are going to lose their jobs. Well, why not? Mm-hmm. I mean, why wouldn't they lose their certification for leaving their post?
0: They should be. There's a state law. They can, lose. They can be fired because they're breaking their contract, and they can actually be decertified.
2: I, I think that they should. I really do. This is, this is a horrible example. Any other field of work, if you don't show up to work or you walk out when you're in the middle of work, then you don't, you don't have a job.
0: Funny how that works, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and and why are they not going after what is a huge, huge suck of resources in our state, which are the people that don't pay taxes, and let's just call them illegal. All you know, The only people that are paying for public education, free education, are pretty much the people that are paying taxes and Mm -hmm. own property. And I don't understand why they're not, I mean, they could have a raise very easily if they just started saying, look. We don't want to, We don't want our, all of our money to be going to, to these places. This is, you know, all these That's people the are thing. Taking well, over our school. Because
0: here's the thing: the more butts in seats, the more money they get from the federal government. But at the same time, uh, they should be out there saying, "We don't want uh, illegals here. We need the border uh, the border secured because there are a bunch of people getting education that are not paying into the system for it." And yep. and, and and you know, again, I always bring up my buddy's wife is a teacher in a school district here, and she had 27 kids in her class last year. And then when Trump got elected, it went down to 13. And it's been better. She's she's enjoying her job. Kids are, are actually there. Parents are involved. The illegals left. And that's what can happen. You get to have more money if uh, Fewer kids in classrooms, more money to go for resources because you'll have less to buy. It's it's crazy, you know. It's it's just that cycle. Listen, Allison, please keep me posted on what you're doing. Thank you so much for chiming in. I'm just running out of time, but I appreciate your passion. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you so much, Garrett.
0: You got to take care. 6:54. We'll continue on KNST. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the word WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus radio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. Yes. Yes. Now it's time. Hello, seven oh seven. It is your morning ritual with me, Garrett Lewis, KNST AM seven ninety Tucson's most stimulating talk. Now there are three things I think you need to know. Number one, uh, just about every every major school district in, in the greater Tucson area is closed Thursday, Friday. And they don't know. Maybe Monday they're not sure, and I don't blame them. You can't know. You don't know. And it's the teachers. Uh, it's it's it is the teachers' fault. They're choosing to break their their contract and walk on out and do all this stuff. So you know uh, you know who to get angry. Uh, who who to who to well show your anger anyway. So they're all going to be closed, and there's a big fight. Nobody knows how to pay for this stuff. Lawmakers on all sides say Deucey is 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 playing. Even Republicans are like Ducey's, uh funding plan is pie in the sky because there's no proof that he's actually been able to get this money to pay these teachers anymore. Uh, it's it's just, it's a mess. Second thing that I think you need to know, and I put this on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Gary Lewis radio. I put it on Twitter. Um, the guy that's leading the red for ed movement is a hardcore nut job. He's a progressive wacko. Noah Carvelis, uh, He is all about social justice warrior indoctrination in the classroom. As a matter of fact, I mean, he's anti-capitalist. He actually recommended to teachers on Twitter, it's a must-read, a book that's called A Pedagogy of Anti-Capitalist, Anti-Racism, Whiteness, Neoliberalism, and Resistance in Education. It's that. I mean, it's right there. He's against, he's for gun control. He is uh, against toxic masculinity. And he's a music teacher specializing in hip-hop, for God's sakes. Are you freaking kidding me? This is the guy. This is the guy that the teachers are following. A music teacher in Tolleson that is a complete activist in his classroom. More on that. Third thing I think you need to know, Debbie Lesko wins the special election in District 8 up in the Sun City area. Media somehow thought that, you know, hey, there's a chance that Democrats may win. And they're hoping that she, that the Democrats would not even close. Not even close. Get out of here. Enough is enough. Three things I think you need to know. Uh, so, several years ago, I moderated a debate down in Green Valley. And if I remember correctly, uh, it was uh, McSilent and someone else and someone else and Frank Riggs for Congress. And I don't, I don't give compliments unless I talk about myself a lot. But I was extremely impressed with Frank Riggs, and I think I said on the air too that it was obvious that he was by far the best choice uh, for Congress. By far the best choice, uh, and or maybe it was he it was a governor, it was Congress? I can't remember, but he'll let me know. But I was very impressed by him, and he has got a great background. He's been a congressman. Uh, he has uh, been in charge of uh, overseeing uh, charter schools for the state of Arizona. Police officer, you name it. Now he's running for uh, Arizona superintendent of education. And I thought it'd be great to have him on to talk about this, since this is what everybody's talking about. And Frank joins us now. Frank, how you doing, man?
4: Doing fine, Garrett. Good to be with
0: you. Same here. I'm trying to remember. This is, you know, I'm 41 <laughs> and I'm going through. Was it for Congress or what was the debate that you were running for several oh, years that ago? That
4: was the, uh, that was that would be the 2014 Republican yeah. gubernatorial primary. That's
0: what it was. And you by far yeah. the, the best choice for governor out of all. And Ducey didn't show up because that's just the kind of guy he is. Um, <laughs> You're too kind, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. But I mean, I swear you are by far the best candidate. I even mean, for me to go up to my wife and go, man, there was a guy that was really impressive. Very smart. I'm just telling you, it was you. So and I don't say that about anybody but myself. So that that's a you know, take that for what it's worth. Um So, all right, you're running for state superintendent of schools. Um Diane Douglas is the current one, so you're gonna primary her, and uh, she really hasn't done much. Uh she was all gung ho during the election, anti common is which she ran on, and then she got in there and seems to be a bit over uh a bit over her head right now, um, but first off, before we get into all that stuff, what's your take on this this walkout? Do you think it should happen? Um, uh, what's your overall impression of it?
4: No, I, I think it's it, I think it's bad faith, Garrett. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, for for them to take a strike vote after the governor made what I believe to be a you know sincere proposal, but before the legislature could act, before the legislative process, which, as you very well know, entails debate. Amendments, consultations between the House and the Senate, consultations between the legislature and the governor. Before that process could take place, and yes, I'll admit that Will Rogers was probably right when he said, you know, making, making legislation is like making sausage. But, but, but for them to, to take a strike vote and now to walk out before the legislative process could run its course, before the duly elected representatives of the people could act, I think is the height of the bad faith.
0: Do you think that, uh, I mean, do you think this is just all about money or is it about more? Because I've talked about, there's a story at Breitbart and, and I've talked about, it, there's a story in the Washington Free Beacon about the guy that's leading the red for red, this Noah Carvelis, He is yeah. a, he is out there. He is exactly what we don't want teaching our children.
4: Yeah. And another uh, community organizer, I guess, yeah. you know, to, to put it politely. But uh, yeah, it's obviously now about, you know, partisan politics and pursuing a political agenda. I mean, I empathize with our teachers and our education support professionals because compensation has been largely stagnant for the last 10 years while student enrollment has grown by I think conservatively about 67,000 students in our K-12 schools and and that number uh, I think is probably outdated. So I, I empathize with that movement and I've proposed that going forward we try to index per pupil funding the student enrollment growth and inflation. But make no doubt about it that the leaders, if you can call them that, and, and their organizations behind the whole Red for Ed movement are, are partisan activists. And they're, you know, frankly, they, they've got an agenda to elect Democrats across the board.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just obvious. By the way, Frank Riggs is who you're listening to uh, on KNST AM 790. His website is Riggs, R-I-G-G-S, Riggs4AZ.com. You need to check it out. He's running for state superintendent of schools. So uh, if teachers need to be paid more, and, hey, listen, everybody needs to be paid more, um, where do we get the money? What do we do? Because well, well,
4: it, it, that's a great yeah. question, and, and, and the, I think there's no question that we can achieve some efficiency and cost savings. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I have a business background as well as my extensive public service and like to bring that perspective to bear. I think we ought to cap administrative cost at 5%. Uh, we, we need to stop all of the unfunded mandates at the federal and state level that run up admin and compliance costs with school districts. And, and that's that's pretty simple to do. I mean, we did it back in the day when I served in Congress. We passed something called the Unfunded Mandates Reform Act. And we mm-hmm. simply said, look, you can't pass a law or a new regulation, no matter how well-intentioned, without a corresponding appropriation. So there are steps that we can take to achieve efficiencies. I mean, for Pete's sakes, we have 65 school districts, 65 single school school districts in the state. So there's a lot that we have to do. And, and I think if you're ever going to ask voters and taxpayers to do more, you've got to be really sincere about much greater transparency and
0: accountability. Yeah, because there's one lawmaker that is floating the idea of a sales tax increase. And oh, it, that. Yeah, <laughs> what, what's that?
4: I do not support that because we all know that sales taxes are inherently regressive. Yes. They disproportionately impact fixed and low-income individuals. Many of them are retirees. And and quite honestly, Garrett, I mean, individuals are bearing the lion's share, the taxation burden in our mm-hmm. state today. Over two-thirds of all taxes are paid by individuals through sales, property, and income taxes.
0: Well, if, if, you, uh, if somehow they find money, like, you know, they go through the budget, they find stuff, like everything that you're talking about, they somehow find money – and they're able to, to give an increase and maybe restore some funding, there, there's an argument. Do you give the money directly to the teachers? Does the state do that? They get it right in their paycheck, can't do anything about it, or do you give it to the the school districts themselves and the administration to divvy it out, and then teachers complain they never see any of it? What, what would you like to see happen?
4: Now that's a great point, because you know because we get into kind of, I think, in a dicey area, if we're talking about the legislature that's trying to directly earmark uh, you know, state taxpayer funding, or an increase in teacher compensation. And and we are overriding the fundamental responsibility and the concept of local control, whereby the, the governing boards of school districts and charter schools actually decide, you know, make make decisions with respect to the compensation and, and, and personnel of the employees of that district or charter school. Again, I, I think what we ought to do, I think we have to acknowledge that, that our, you know, funding for our K-12 schools has not kept pace with student enrollment growth. I mean, for Pete's sakes, you know, we tout the fact that, you know, Maricopa County, with all due respect to our listeners in in your radio audience, but Maricopa County, fastest-growing county in the country, but again, we are not providing sufficient funding to keep pace with student enrollment growth, so that really ought to be our target going forward, index student, you know, per-people funding student enrollment growth. And then, and then respect and abide by the concept of local patrol and like, let's again, governing boards of school districts and charter schools make those decisions.
0: You know, and, and Frank Riggs is who you're listening to on KNST AM 790. Riggs for AZ.com is his website. He's running for state superintendent of education here in Arizona. Uh, you were the CEO of the nonprofit Charter Schools Development Corporation. Uh, you're obviously, you are obviously seem to be a free market guy. Tell me if I'm wrong. So you believe in competition because it brings out the best in people. Um, Absolutely. You know, if you're the superintendent of schools, I mean, the public education people aren't fans of charter schools. They view them as competition. The unions don't like them because it takes dollars away and stuff like that. Um what are the benefits of the charter schools, and how would you see that impact uh, just traditional public schools?
4: Well, for the reason that you just said, I mean, charter schools. I mean, the reason that, that I got so excited about charter schools many, many years ago, and just to back up for a moment, when, when I served in Congress, I chaired the House Education Subcommittee and authored the Charter School Expansion Act of 1998. and created a competitive grants program at the state and local level to help charter schools with their startup and expansion costs. Got that, by the way, through the House of Representatives for 367 votes and through the U.S. Senate unanimously before it was signed in law in October of 1998 by then-President Bill Clinton. But the, the idea behind charter schools is, is to infuse competition and choice in, in what has been a monopolistic system, uh, you know, by, by any, uh, you know, definition. And I personally believe it's not possible to achieve excellence in any pursuit, you know, in any sector, in American society without competition and choice. It certainly works well in the private sector, and it works great in higher ed, uh, we, you know, with our with our colleges and, and universities. So, uh, you know, the superintendent of public instruction, the position I'm running for because of my deep background in educational leadership at the local, state, and federal level, that, that individual sits on both the state board of education as well as the state board for charter schools. And charter schools are here to stay in Arizona, and they're doing a lot of great things across the state, and, uh, you know, I think it's entirely possible, Garrett, to be a, you know, an advocate for parents and students and educators in all public schools, and maybe I should say taxpayers too, but to be an advocate for all of the above and also be a proponent and champion of both public district schools as well as public charter
0: schools. Okay. Frank, can you hang on for me? I have more questions for you about Absolutely. raises, you know, how do we measure teachers, what about bad teachers? How do we get parents more involved? Uh, there's a lot that I want to ask you. And especially there's, there's a big problem, I think, when it comes to uh, discipline uh, in well, schools. And, and teachers are left you know, to fend for themselves, and it's just not fair. We'll get to all this. Uh, Frank, hang on for me if you don't mind. Uh, it's uh, Frank Riggs. He is running for, as you just heard, state uh, superintendent of education here in Arizona. And we'll continue. Stay with me in 5. KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk. Sean. 726, Garrett Lewis with you here. On KNST, AIM 790, 65 degrees outside. Now 94 will be the high. Don't forget about my iHeart channel, iHeartRadio.com. Just search Garrett Lewis. You have the iHeartRadio app. Search Garrett Lewis. Ryan puts the podcast up every day, the entire show. He puts uh, segments up, interviews. So this interview that we're doing with Frank Riggs, We'll be up there as well. Now, Frank uh, rejoins us, Frank Riggs, Riggs4AZ.com. It's F-O-R, Riggs4AZ.com, running for state superintendent of schools. Thanks for hanging with me, Frank. I appreciate it. It's it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Here. You got it. So um, here's the thing. This is where I, you know, I hear teachers say, you know, one thing, we're not paid enough, and I totally understand that. Then they say, we need funding back. We need more money for the classroom. And, you know, you are obviously more of an expert in education than I am, but I just sit back and say, Throwing money at a problem doesn't solve it. Um, You know, you can say you want new books. That's great. But if parents don't make kids do work, you could have the fanciest classroom and the most up-to-date stuff, and it's not going to make a difference. So how do you hold teachers accountable for a raise? Is it fair to do that? And, you know, when they say they want more funding for this, that, and everything, will it make that much more of a difference in in terms of success?
4: Well, that's a great question. I mean, what what it will do is hopefully... Uh, enable us to recruit and especially to retain the, the best teachers uh, for our, for our kids. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any question that we have an acute teacher shortage, uh, bordering on a, on a crisis. But the other side of that coin, like you say, is is greater accountability. And and you know, I was talking with Tom Horn the other day, former Attorney General and Superintendent of Public Instruction, and he said, you know, Frank, back back in in my tenure as Superintendent of Public Instruction, we actually required a high school graduation test. It was called the Ames test, the forerunner to today's state standardized test called AZ Merit, which is aligned to the Common Core standards, which are deeply embedded in our schools despite what Mrs. Douglas might claim. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe we need to go back to that. Maybe we need to have a high school graduation test to hold both teachers and students accountable.
0: That would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, would, would you be able to do something like that to, would it, would but, it pass the union you know, litmus test if you actually hold uh, teachers accountable well, like that? That's,
4: that's going to be a big challenge, Garrett. You know, I, you know, I, I, I talked to a lot of people as I campaign around the state, and they insist that the statewide constitutional office, the superintendent of public instruction, overseeing the, our leading Arizona Department of Education, overseeing all of the programs and policies about the federal and state level for K-12 education, and the $10 billion in local, state, and federal funding, we give to our K-12 schools, they insist that that role is largely administrative. It's, you know, it's leading that particular, you know, leading the Department of Education. And I always say, yes, it is part high-level executive leadership, and I think I've got a great background that prepares me for that responsibility. But the flip side of that is that the office is also bully pulpit. You know, it's the soft power, the power of persuasion, I call it. Uh, where you should be an advocate. You should be trying to promote and influence policy as it impacts our K-12 education system. And again, I think I have an ideal background for that, having served in high elective office and having deep experience in the legislative and political arena. Now, that's just a long-winded way of saying, though, that the, the fact of the matter is, I understand going in that I've got to build relationships. I've got to be able to lead by example, I've got to be a credible, articulate advocate where it counts. And that's what, uh, you know, with the person in the governor's office, with the, in the legislature, with the uh, State Board of Education, with the State Board for Charter Schools, all of those folks are effectively the colleagues of the superintendent of public instruction. And that also means working with all the stakeholder groups. Uh, and it includes the Arizona PTA. It includes the uh, Arizona Educators Association. And, and, and quite frankly, I think I can, uh, I think we've got a proven record, actually, in, you know, kind of forging a consensus, bringing people uh, to, the, to the table, getting things done in a, in a very basic sense. So yes, I do think that, that I can, you know, influence policy and that I can hopefully change hearts and minds as the saying
0: goes. So you'll be able to have an impact? I mean, there, there are some really weird things taught in the TUSD schools. Yeah, really weird things taught. You you can come down and talk to the superintendent or anybody and say you guys should change your curriculum. We had the Mexican American Studies nightmare. They're trying to bring it back. Uh, right. I mean, it, it's a mess. It doesn't help the kids. It doesn't make them prepared for the real world.
4: That is so true. And by the way, I you know you're speaking to the person that while, when I served in Congress introduced a bill trying to edif- end affirmative action in higher ed admissions. I mean, I, I you know I you know, go back to not Martin, Martin Luther King. You know we should judge a person on the content of their character not the color of their skin. And I am opposed to anything, especially in our K-12 schools, that promotes separatism or mm-hmm. you know racial identity politics, that type of thing. I mean, the fact of the matter is our state constitution says that students are to receive 180 days of instruction. We, right now, do not have enough time in the school day. We don't have enough days in the school year to be able to teach students in our basic subjects. And the proof of that. Is in the national test results. There's a national test called the NAEP, the National Assessment of Educational Progress, nicknamed the nation's report card, that a representative sampling of Arizona students in grades four, eight, and twelve have to take every two years, and those scores have been flat, you know, for many, many years. By the way, we we just got the latest results, the, the you know for for 2017 in the, the NAEP, uh, NAEP test in in reading and math. At the eighth and fourth grade level, and those students have shown no improvement. Again, the test results have been absolutely flat, and those students have been taught under Common Core their entire time in school. So, no, there isn't time. I mean, if if, the time I suppose, if you want to be able to pursue Mexican American studies or the La Raza curriculum or anything along those lines, is later. You know, in, in higher ed. Uh, although, again, I think it goes against you know the the, the very concepts you know that the rights and freedoms that we all enjoy as Americans and, and that unite us as a
0: people. All right, I, I have a lot. I have a lot to ask you. Can you hang on for me? I want to talk about yes. again. We got to get to teacher safety in class because this uh-huh. is the only this is the only uh, business that I know where people literally get assaulted and and nobody stands up for the teachers. It it wouldn't happen in the real world. Um, I want to talk about that. Uh, jobs. I know it's on your website. You know, there's got to be more than just kids going to college. We need people that work yeah. with their hands. Uh Absolutely. And, 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 and again, just grading teachers. Like, how do we how do we evaluate if they really deserve a raise? Should it be one full swoop? Uh, all, I got a lot to ask for you. Uh, and, okay. and thanks for hanging with me. This is Frank Riggs. He's with me. Riggs for AZ.com, running for state superintendent of schools here in Arizona. We'll continue in five. Here's Fox. 7.42, thank you for hanging out. Garrett Lewis with you. KNST AM 790, Tucson's most stimulating talk. Three things I think you need to know. One, uh, all major school districts in the greater Tucson area close Thursday and Friday, and who knows for how much longer because of this walkout. Two, second thing I think you need to know, the story's on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Radio. The guy that is leading the movement for Red for Red, a music teacher in Tolleson named Noah Carvelis. Morris found out about this guy. He is a social justice warrior, anti-capitalist. I mean, all kinds of bad stuff. This is the guy that the uh, teachers are following blindly. Not good. Third thing I think you need to know, Debbie Lesko wins uh, convincingly the 8th District. Did a special election up in Arizona, despite the media pushing and hoping and wanting a Democrat to win, to take down Trump or something like that. Three things I think you need to know. Now, let's continue uh, with Frank Riggs running for state superintendent of education here in Arizona. riggs for azcom is his website. Uh, Frank, thanks for sticking around. So teachers want more money. It's very it's very hard. It's probably impossible to actually judge teachers because if parents don't make kids do work, that's not the teacher's fault. So how do you think it should work? Should teachers just get one fell swoop, everybody across the board gets a raise? Or is there any way to actually judge them individually to see if they're worthy of a raise?
4: Well, we probably ought to have a career ladder that creates kind of a merit-pay system, uh, especially for those uh, you know experienced teachers who, uh, who want to mentor younger teachers, you know, teachers entering the profession uh, in, in that role of master teacher. Uh, but, you know, in terms of, of actually monitoring and evaluating teachers, that's, that's the role of administrators, Garrett. I mean, that, that's a big part of their job. You know, call that peer review, if you will. But administrators are supposed to be doing regular classroom visitation. They're supposed to be in the classrooms, and again, working with teachers and evaluating them and giving them constructive feedback. And I think we forget that and and again, that kind of goes back to the administrative burden that we've been placing on school districts with uh, you know basically more and more laws and regulations consuming more and more admin time and you know increasing compliance costs that uh, again, that diverts attention away from the classroom. We want more dollars into the classroom for teacher compensation, uh, for education support professionals, and enabling administrators to do their job and, and provide that kind of review, that supervision, that mentoring that teachers need.
0: Now, um... And oh, by the way, Frank Riggs is who you're listening to on KNST AM 790. Riggs4AZ.com is his website, running for state superintendent of schools. Uh, so then should it be all up to local stuff if there's a bad teacher? And by bad teacher, I mean an indoctrinating teacher, a teacher that wants to not do his or her job. Like, I'll give you an example here. It was tipped off to me by a listener. His child is in 11th grade, taking 11th grade math at Flowing Wells High School here. And I was sent pictures and video, or a bit, and an audio, I should say, the teacher's transgender. It's a dude wearing a skirt. And instead of teaching math on March 31st, he was teaching the kids about transgenderism and why they should That's accept outrageous. it. Yeah, and I called the school. I called the principal. Nobody ever got back to me. People were outraged. But can anything be done? If you're the state superintendent of schools, could you, can you do anything? Can you pressure people? I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we have to stop.
4: Absolutely. You know, I, I'm going to uh, set up a hotline uh, directly in, in my office, the Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction, so that we can receive complaints and concerns. And people can do that anonymously if, if need be. And then we can follow up with the leadership of the local school district and and then re- get back to the individual, the complainant, if you will, who con- contacted the superintendent's uh, office. If it involves any kind of wrongdoing, that's an action that then has to be taken to the state board of education because they oversee teacher licensing and certification. If it involves criminal wrongdoing, we would make a referral to the to the attorney general's office. But yeah, that's a critical role for the superintendent of public instruction. Our state constitution says that the superintendent of public instruction shall superintend uh, basically our K twelve education system, and that is the position I'm running for, and that is the solemn responsibility that I'll be assuming.
0: Okay. I mean, would, would you be able to pick up the phone and call the superintendent or the principal and yes. say, what the heck are you oh, doing?
4: A- absolutely. And, and in fact, it, you know, I, I intend to be a visible, active, proactive, maybe I should say superintendent, so I'll be out in the field doing school visits, hopefully having an opportunity since I'm a certified substitute teacher and I've taught seventh grade history and advanced placement government to actually even teach an occasional class. But yeah, ab- absolutely. Okay. Uh, w- would would be doing it. And let me just add, Garrett, you know, that there's an old adage that teachers can affect eternity because they never know where their influence stops. Well, that, that I I believe in that. I believe that education, especially your classroom teaching, is a noble profession. I believe that, honestly, there's probably no amount of compensation that's enough for that really great teacher. But the flip side of that is anything that we pay, a bad teacher, a teacher that's holding on, uh, even, even though they're not fulfilling their responsibilities, or they're engaged in this indoctrination, as you just described, anything that we pay that teacher is too much.
0: I agree. Um, so let's talk about teachers really fast. Um, teachers. I mean, I get. I, I some lady called earlier this week. She said, "I need more money because I'm I'm a kindergarten teacher." And just last, yesterday, I was stabbed by a by a kid with a pencil. I was spit on. I was punched. And I'm like, you know, if that happened in my place of work, people would be fired. There could be lawsuits. Yep. Yeah. But administration never seems to have teachers' backs, and I don't know why teachers don't complain about that.
4: Well, they should have the, t- the teachers' backs. I mean, the, the, those acts, if committed an, a, at an older age, uh, you would, would be criminal in nature because yeah. it involves assault, assault and battery. But the fact of the matter is, you know, every good school I've ever been in essentially has a zero-tolerance discipline policy. And they typically have a strict dress code, if not requiring school uniforms, and yes, to, to anticipate the obvious question, uh, those schools help lower income families in, in getting uniforms if necessary. But you have to have that zero tolerance policy. Now that means simply that the disruptive student has to be removed from the classroom, uh, continue to receive uh, you know education and services, but in an alternative setting. And, and secondly, that you're not absolutely, in no circumstances are you going to tolerate uh, actions that are abusive or assaultive in nature
0: well i, I hope so because right here at tusd i mean they, all they do is talk about their uh, their discipline policy and it has issues and teachers complain and it's more than elementary school like you're saying it's older kids and they the teachers say we call it takes 15 minutes for someone from administration to come down they put the take hit away for five minutes then he ends up back in class disruptive again and it's <laughs> just like this vicious cycle that never ever ever ends
4: well, I really question their discipline policy and this whole notion of restorative justice. And, and I think that's this very, very fallacious argument about, you know, school to prison. I mean, the fact of the matter is, as I said earlier, you've got to have strict policy. I mean, young people, and remember, these are these are minors under the law. Uh, these are dependent children. The, the fact of the matter is, they need to know what the limits and the parameters are. And that, that simply means the adults are in charge, and they have to set down the rules, and then they have to enforce the rules.
0: And, and I guess the big problem is that parents, uh, you know, always nowadays always think the kids are the best, or maybe schools are afraid of lawsuits. What could you do as a superintendent to try to, you know, curb that kind of thinking and, and put the power back in the teacher's hands?
4: Well, the the, the, uh, the parents may have some legal recourse, um, but but the fact of the matter is that the, the doctrine that we use in our schools today is called in loco parenthesis. The Latin term simply meaning that when the student is on on or in the school premises, that the school is acting as the parent in local parentheses. Mm -hmm. And and the fact of the matter is that the the family, the parents, are giving those rights to the school. So the school needs to act firmly in the expectation that that is what parents would would want, that 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 is how they would enforce discipline in the home. So, you know, we, we've got a cockeyed notion here that somehow the tail's going to wag the dog. Uh, but that can't happen because that disruptive, that abusive, that assaulted student uh, is, you know, obviously infringing on the education
0: of all other yes. students. exactly. Exactly. Tell you what, Frank, I'm sure you have a life, and I don't. Uh, if you can't stay with me to because I have more than I want to ask you about, you know, basically – uh blue collar education that students get at schools i also want to ask you about security if you can't do it at 810 we could do it again tomorrow uh can you stay with me i'm putting you on the spot i'll stay
4: with you gary because those those are two subjects that are near and dear to my heart
0: okay (laughs) well hang on for me hang around i'll talk to you we'll continue at 810 with uh with frank Riggs. Riggs for az.com i'm sorry Riggs for arizona rigs for air oh rigs for AZ same thing rigs for AZ.com is the website running for state superintendent don't go anywhere morning ritual Garrett Lewis KNST aim 792 sounds most stimulating talk double shot at 1000 MCO you are a- shot at one thousand 000- dollars now text the word money to 200 200 you'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeart radio info standard data and message rates apply that's money to 200 200. and a lot of Garrett going around <laughs> 808 what's up with you on this Trump day April 25th, it is your morning ritual with me, Garrett Lewis, KNSTAM am 790 Tucson's most stimulating talk, the day before the strike. Let's call it a strike, not a walkout, shall we? They're trying to soften the blow. Enough is enough. Three things I think you need to know. Number one, all major school districts close tomorrow and Friday here in the greater Tucson area. It's just the way it is. Uh, have alternative plans. Oh, boy. Second thing I think you need to know, the guy that's behind the Red for Ed movement, Noah Carvela's story came out about him. I have it on my Facebook page, and I tweeted it out. Uh, he is a radical nutjob, anti-capitalist, anti-gun, pro-propagandist. He's a music teacher from Tallison, specializing in hip-hop, and he loves, loves indoctrinating the kids in class. It's all in that story. My goodness. He even did an interview with Radio Sputnik. It's a Russian-owned, Russian state government-run and owned uh, radio station. You don't get on there unless you get permission with people high up next to Vladimir Putin. And this guy was approved for that. He did the interview, by the way, with kids in the class during school time. Bells were going off. Third thing I think you need to know, Debbie Lesko wins the special election in Arizona, the Republican. She wins it somewhat easily. Media is very disappointed. Very disappointed. Three things I think you need to know. Now we're going to continue with uh, Frank Riggs, who is running for state superintendent of education. Uh, riggs for azcom is his website. Guy's a brilliant guy. Uh, and again, I don't say that lightly. You laugh, Frank. I only say great things about me, really. So, I mean, when I listen, my kid's going to be in kindergarten coming up in August, my, uh, my oldest. Uh, so, yes. I mean, you know, it's near and dear to my heart. I want to make sure good things happen. Um, let, me, let me ask you this. I'm getting uh, more and more reports, all kinds of things. Uh, I mean, I have a guy that I work with, his wife is a teacher here, and she doesn't she wants to work, but she is being shunned because she wants to work. She may go into work, and they said basically, you know, uh, we'll know who you are. So you have teachers that want to work, and they're being shamed and shunned into uh, not working. I mean, could what can happen? I mean, you, you talked in the last hour about a hotline you'd established. What can happen to protect teachers that go to that? And then, like, I, I have an event every month. Teachers come down from different school districts to my event. It's a happy hour. And they tell us all the time about how there's all kinds of anti-conservative, anti-Trump propaganda. And if they say anything differently in a class, they feel like they're discriminated against and they're targeted in their schools.
4: What- well, I would want to hear from them for sure, Garrett. I mean, the fact of the matter is that we're a right-to-work, non-union state. And I uh, I'm really dismayed that so many school districts, and for that matter charter school organizations, have decided to... Kind of go along with this uh, sheep or hurt mentality. Uh, you know, I hope that that those teachers who wanted to work uh, aren't aren't docked in any way uh, for their kind of their willingness to go against the tide. Uh, and you know, and I hope that that uh, everyone understands that we, if it's, hopefully it's no more than two days, but if it is two days, a a walkout i.e. a strike, for the next two days, that those two days are going to be added on the back end. We're, mm-hmm. you know, we're still going to have a full, full school year for educators and students.
0: Do you think that these teachers um, that walk out should be fired? Uh, Diane Douglas talked about investigating them and possibly decertifying them, and by law they can be fired for breaking their contract and lose their certification. Do you think that that, that should uh, come into play?
4: Well, that could be in consideration, but that, again, is up to the employer, and the employer is the local school district, our charter school organization. But, but again, I empathize with the Red for Ed movement. I, I understand where they're coming from. I just think, again, it is very bad form. It's very you know, bad faith for them to take a strike vote before, after the governor's made his proposal, but before the legislature could act. I mean, there, there's the old saying, you know, you know, take the win, and I, I do believe in, in speaking with individual legislators and, and chatting with the with the governor and some of his staff over the weekend at an event, I, I do believe they're very sincere in striving for this, this pay increase. Now, I would probably go about it a different way. As I said earlier in our conversation, I would do it through uh, an increase in per-people funding, a, or indexed to student en- enrollment growth and inflation, and then let again the local governing board of the school district charter school make those decisions. Uh, but I, you know, it, this this really, um, you know, strikes me a- again as, as very bad faith, and and again highly politically motivated by by individuals that I think, as you pointed out are clearly partisan activists, yep,
0: so again, you think that the pres and the governor, the governor has said twenty percent increase, and he never really gave details. He just said, Well, the economy's getting better. We're going to be able to get so much more in tax revenue because the economy's good. We'll take that money and and pay the teachers and and get funding back. But Republicans and Democrats have said that's a bit pie in the sky thinking you can't really base it on that. Um, but you think that his faith is good, and then you should take you know another two months till the budget is due uh, for right. lawmakers to figure out a way to 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 make all these payments.
4: Absolutely. Again, as I said, they're the duly elected representatives of people. As the old saying goes, the governor can propose, but only the legislature can dispose. Mm-hmm. And, and they haven't had a chance to to kind of work their will. We have we haven't seen any legislative or, or budgetary language yet. Uh, and, 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 and though you know that the you know so we're going to have this mass walkout, i.e., strike over the next two days. It just You know, people just don't seem to understand, and this this really gripes me a lot, but people don't seem to understand. This is the way our representative democracy under a constitutional republic is supposed to work. It is a political process. And and one of my big concerns, one of my big reasons, motivations for running for superintendent of public instruction is I want to restore a focus, a primary focus on civics.
0: In exactly and i I want to hit that up i, I and I got to okay. keep even for longer, but I just got that, and I got to talk about security I, and I noticed the whole thing about civics because it's really sad that kids now think socialism is a viable way to live in the United States of America, and that comes yeah. directly from teaching um mm-hmm. but before i before I even tell you asking about security and and kids you know not every kid needs to go to college, they need to be able to work with their hands and, and can we get vocational uh, studies back into school, but first, I got an email from a listener uh this child their child goes to a charter school here. Presidio, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. No. Um, it's a charter school here in Southern Arizona, mm-hmm. a Presidio school. And an okay. email went out to the families, and he forwarded it to me. Uh, the school will be in session tomorrow. Uh, the call by the Arizona Educators United for a strike may result in the absence of teachers, but they're going to have teachers that'll be present, administrators to make sure that safety and educational needs are met, right? But then the, the the person that runs the school, Dr. Mark Saliba wrote students and staff are encouraged to wear red to school Thursday and students who do so are excused from wearing their Presidio uniform that day. That's one thing. Then it says Presidio staff members and administrators have designated the hours of 9 a.m. to noon on Thursday as hours for education and civil expression on the importance of supporting education funding and educators. During those hours, there will be a demonstration of support for educators in the front parking lot and each class will have the opportunity to visit the demonstration for a 15-minute rotation, write a professional letter to their governor, and participate in an age-appropriate lesson about civil expression. Is that legal? I mean, I'm sure it's bad form. But, I mean, they're basically using the kids to be political props here, no? Yeah, they are. And
4: and they're, they're encouraging a misguided sense of political activism. And it goes back to what we said, you know, I, the... I talked earlier about our test results, but our test results in civics are very, very dismal. Young people aren't learning who we are and what we stand for as a country. And my, my reaction to that, Garrett, honestly, is if people want to engage in political action, they first should learn about the very rights and freedoms that make it possible for them to engage in political
0: mm-hmm. action. Is that it, but is that is that legal for them to do in this school? Do you know or not sure?
4: Well, I'm, I suspect it is legal only because, you know, charter schools uh, enjoy a, an extraordinary degree of, of flexibility with their educational curriculum and programming. Mm. But I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I think it sends, the, you know, the wrong message. Uh, you know, I just, I don't, you know, I've seen a couple other bulletins that other school districts and charter schools have sent out, and they're trying to do the same thing. Honestly, they're straddling the issue. And they're basically saying, we're going to stay open and we're somehow going to, you know, cover our classrooms with certified substitutes or administrative staff or even parent volunteers. But, oh, by the way, you know, we're not going to conduct school as usual. We're going to have, you know, this, this ongoing political activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I, would, I would much prefer a teach-in that focuses on perhaps the First Amendment um, you, know, or, you know, the Bill of Rights in fundamental civics. So at least we understand, you know, where the, the right of free speech and the right to po- protest and the right to petition your government for grievances, where those rights originate.
0: Interesting. Well, <laughs> uh, you know what? Real-world stuff, I mean, it's like teaching what's going on right now, which makes sense. Uh, hang with me if you don't mind. I want to get okay. to, again, school security. I want to get to uh, uh, school served and, and the civics aspect, and, of course, again, vocation. Vocational uh, uh, studies in schools as well. Frank Riggs is who you're listening to. He is running for superintendent of public instruction here in Arizona, state superintendent, and his website is riggsforaz.com. We'll continue in five right here on KNST AM 792. Sounds most stimulating. Talk. John. Garrett Lewis with you. I know you're enjoying it this morning. The stimulation. It's true. Uh, it's going to be hot, sunny, high about 94 degrees today. You shouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, We're at 72 right now. We're going to continue with Frank Riggs, who is running for state superintendent of schools right here on KNST AM 790. Frank, thanks for uh, sticking with me. I appreciate that. My pleasure. Um, So uh, when it comes to uh, security at schools, I mean, after that shooting, it's very rare there's a shooting. Very rare. We know that. The media builds it up and everything. Uh, But, you know, it's really frustrating that if there's something that happens at an airport, you know, security's beefed up. A sporting event, security's beefed up. At a school, people argue about it, and nothing's ever done. Um, I personally think that anybody that wants to go through training, that can, uh, that's any staff, it could be a teacher, a janitor, a whatever, if they can be there, in my estimation, and be, and be trained and have a firearm concealed on them, I think that that should happen. Uh, what's your take on securing schools?
4: Well, there's no question that our schools are soft targets, especially when students are congregating. You know, before and, and after school, you know, like in Parkland, where it was dismissal time and, and
3: mm-hmm.
4: as students were leaving. And well, he pulled the fire alarm. Was occurring. Pulled, yeah, he pulled the fire yeah. alarm. And, and there's a lot we can do to harden that target. Uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, as I think about it, Garrett, I, you know, I was a school resource officer way back when. I, You know, I went into law enforcement right out of the Army with the intent of pursuing it as a career Got promoted, put in charge of all crime prevention and community relations programs, started working with young offenders, quickly discovered, as probably you and, and most of your, your listeners know, that almost all of them came from broken homes, dysfunctional families, mm-hmm. many times fatherless families, were you know, entering the school system as at-risk students. Uh, and that led me to the realization, as Frederick Douglass said, centuries ago, it's much easier to build strong children than the repair of broken men and motivated me to run for the school board. And as I guess they say, that you know, the rest is history. But to answer your question directly, yes, I, you know, it, I, we are a big state and we have a lot of rural communities where law enforcement is split thin and response times are very, very slow. Uh, something I can relate to, I as a police officer had to confront I had to disarm. I had to arrest dangerous felons and active shooters. I, I know what's involved in that. But to your point, if someone wants to go through uh, voluntarily, go through the same sort of tactical training and annual qualification that I did as a police officer, I have no problem with the concept of a voluntary concealed carry, or at a minimum, having you know access to a firearm in a in a gun locker that you know where the access is through fingerprint identification. There are lots of things that we can and, and should do, do because, uh, you know, school security and student safety is the first priority.
0: Very interesting, the first one that uh, has, uh, that I know of that, that has been willing to, to say that. Uh, and, again, just as I look at it, my kid is, is going to be in kindergarten, and God forbid something happens in his school, uh, I'd rather have his teacher be able to tell all the kids, go in a closet, go in the corner, turn over a desk, whatever it is, and he or she has the firearm trained at the door, so if the person comes walking in, uh, be able to unload versus sitting there and trying to disarm the guy with a ruler or a book. I mean, it's... Well,
4: yeah, well, well, like I said, you know, I, I had to, you know, extensive training, obviously, in, in doing it, uh, you know, in tactical training and what's called close contact situations. Mm-hmm. So I know what's involved in that. But I also know that there are lots of organizations that provide that kind of training for people that want to voluntarily go through... That training, and I'm not talking about again basic firearm safety course, you know, which which you need to do to complete to have a concealed carry permit. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the type of training that law enforcement receives. And the other thing we could do is I I think there's a whole cadre of of people out there, you know, former military, retired law enforcement, who would be willing to act in a reserve capacity, kind of almost a volunteer capacity or nominal compensation, to you know in a uniform capacity to better secure our schools because it's, you know, it's well proven that a uniform presence is a, is a deterrent.
0: It really is. Uh, Also, uh, and I'm going to have to keep you over again, but let's talk about vocational schools Uh, because I have, I have listeners that are business owners that are contractors. Uh, They can't Mm -hmm. find people to do stucco work. They can't find people to frame windows. Uh, They, you know, plumb, there there's companies down here that are plumbing companies that are willing to pay people, so they can train them to be plumbers and then, and then uh, employ them to be plumbers. Um, mm-hmm. we, we don't have, it's like there's this big marketing scam by colleges that you're just a degenerate if you don't go to college. And if you don't go to college, you're, you're just a miscreant. and You're going to have no future. Yet there are great paying jobs and careers that don't require college. Uh, what would you like to see done? What would you recommend? What can you do as state superintendent of schools to change that?
4: Oh, wow. Well, we, we need to restore a, a focus and an emphasis on career technical education. You know, I, I'm the candidate that wants to get Common Core out of our schools and, and restore the focus, uh, the primary focus in, uh, of, our, of our schools on civics, but also want to put a much greater emphasis on career technical education. As you said, there are 10,000 unfilled jobs in the construction trades in our state today. Uh, and we, we have done it, and you made a great point, Garrett, we've done a huge disservice. To a large number of students by promoting this concept, that, you know, that 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 you know, a successful high school grad uh, education uh, or academic success means going from high school to Harvard. Mm-hmm. That leaves a lot of students behind, uh, and that is a complete fallacy. We, you know, you know, Mike Rowe from the Dirty Jobs yes. TV show. Well, mm-hmm. he points out what he calls the dissonance between the fact that, according to the Department of Labor. We have somewhere between five and a half and six million unfilled skilled jobs in our economy and in our, in our workforce today. That's the skills gap on the one hand and on the other hand, $1.3 trillion in outstanding college student loan debt. And closer to home in Pima County, Raytheon, right, the number one private employer mm-hmm. in Pima County, has something like 1,500 unfilled jobs they critically need. Engineers and scientists are... You know, students getting a STEM education in high school and college to fill those jobs in order to enable Raytheon turn to fulfill, to perform its obligations under its, you know, contracts with the Pentagon for mission-critical work in missile defense and cybersecurity. So we have this yawning skills gap in our economy, and we have to do a much better job of aligning our high schools and our post-secondary schools, community colleges and four-year colleges and universities with the real needs and opportunities of the workforce,
0: and could you and, and so basically the superintendent of schools for the state of Arizona, you can't mandate, but you can recommend. I mean, what would you do to try to make that happen here? Right. Well, the,
4: I can certainly try to influence my colleagues on the state board of education to put a much greater emphasis, and by that I mean basically devoting more time to career technical education programs. Uh, and I always believe in the in the carrot approach over, over the stick approach but what can we do well we can we can um, create um, more courses that uh, enable students to take advantage of career technical education opportunities we can do more what is called dual enrollment or early college where a student in high school can dual enroll at a community college and all and begin while still in high school to get college credit uh, at pr- Towards a career or technical education, a vocational technical education certificate. We can do more to incentivize the private sector to provide apprenticeships and work study opportunities and mentorships and internships. That all goes back to what I said. We can do a much better job of aligning our, our education system with these, you know, these opportunities and these critical needs in the workforce.
0: Okay. Uh give you, I, I, you know, I never anticipated a two-hour thing. I know you were good. Uh, can you stick with me? I want to do just, you know, talk about civics and how you want to bring, you know, obviously teach about the country, which never really happens anymore. It yeah. happens very little. I want to get your thoughts on that uh, as well as, you know, people want to know this is interesting. We have people that are not certified teachers teaching classes. I want to get your take on that as well. Uh, sure. Frank Riggs, thank you. Hang on with me. We'll continue in about six. He is running for... Uh, state superintendent of education right here in Arizona. Riggs for AZ.com is his website. We'll continue on KNST in Five Years Fox. 842, Garrett Lewis with you. KNST AM seven ninety Tucson's most stimulating talk. 94 and sunny today. Low seventies right now. Three things I think you need to know. Number one, all major school districts in Southern Arizona, well, I should say in greater Tucson area, closed tomorrow and Friday. Who knows when they're gonna open up again? Second thing I think you need to know the guy that's behind the whole Red for Red movement, music teacher at Atollison, Noah Carvales. I have a story on my Facebook page and I tweeted it out. Uh, guy is a hardcore leftist. He's a music teacher, loves to do social justice stuff, anti capitalist, anti gun. Uh, I mean, he is, he is a, uh, he's an indoctrinator. You can see it in the story. We'll talk about that more in the next hour. And he's leading the movement. The teachers are getting bamboozled. Third thing I think you need to know, Debbie Lesko. She has, uh, she won the special election up in, uh, the Sun City area, uh, the West Valley. She won it despite the, uh, the media rooting against her, hoping that the Dems would continue to win to try to take down Trump or something. Uh, so, uh, you have that. Three things I think you need to know. Now we'll continue, uh, with uh, Frank Riggs for one last segment. Frank, I really appreciate the time today. Frank is running for state superintendent of schools here in Arizona. Um, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about civics because there are so many ridiculous classes today. I mean, I have friends; uh, their kid goes to uh, to a high school, and apparently, I think when he's before he got there, eighth grade did not have to take social studies, or ninth grade did not have to take social studies or any any history class. And I'm mm. like, what is the deal with that? I mean, the kids don't <laughs> understand. I mean, there's there's a big push for young people for socialism because they're kind of indoctrinated by bad teachers and they don't learn about what capitalism does and about this country anymore.
4: Oh, that's so true, Gary. You know, unfortunately, I I think, you know, ominously for the future of our republic, so many young people are are graduating not just high school, but many times two- and four-year colleges with with little knowledge, with, you know, with really no basic understanding of American civics. And, by the way, you know who we might put in that category is young Mr. Corvallis. He holds a provisional teaching license because he's not yet completed the required courses on the Arizona Constitution and the U.S. Constitution. Uh, and I, I think that that says an awful lot. But the, you know, the founding purpose wow. of our common schools, uh, you know, the forerunner to today's public schools, was to prepare young people for responsible adult citizenship in our system of self government, of, by, and for the people, as Lincoln said, at Gettysburg, to a representative democracy under a constitutional republic. And I tend to agree with the noted, uh, prolific uh, author and noted historian, David McCullough, who says, you know, look, we're at risk of raising an entire generation of young people who are historically and civically illiterate. And as Ronald Reagan said, well, you know, we're never more than one generation away from losing our freedom, and, and that's because, you know, it's essential that young people understand who we are, what we stand for as a country, and are prepared to take up the mantle of leadership to preserve the greatness of America.
0: So what would uh, you do? What would you would you require or would you push to get a requirement?
4: Yes. At least a semester of civics in middle school or junior high school and at least a a semester in high school. Uh, if I had my way, probably do even more, but I think we have to have a minimum requirement that, you know, that we teach this most fundamental and important of subjects.
0: What about if um I mean I... You don't want to censor people, but at the same time, if teachers start in American public schools, start ragging on capitalism yep. and promoting socialism. Can something be done about that?
4: Absolutely. That that falls directly in the lap of the administrator. If that is happening, then the administrator is not spending adequate time in the classroom or administrators, you know, because it could be the school leader, a principal or headmaster. But it could, could be an assistant or vice principal as well. And again, their primary responsibility is to supervise classroom teaching and learning. That's the primary job of a of an administrator, not filling out paperwork. So yeah, it it, it should absolutely bring consequences. There's there's no question about it. And it goes it ties back to a subject that you brought brought up just before the last commercial break, which is this. I, I think you were alluding to alternative credentialing, mm-hmm. allowing mid-career professionals who want to pursue teaching uh, and who have demonstrated subject matter expertise, giving them an expedited, expedited way to get into the classroom. And that goes back to the whole question of what's really important in preparing for teaching. And I submit it's subject matter expertise. It's not essentially education courses on pedagogy or how to teach. That's important. You have to know. I know this from my firsthand experience in teaching. You have to be able to, you know, to manage a classroom, but what really counts is that subject matter expertise.
0: You know, there's, there's an organization, uh, Junior Achievements. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great and, organization. Yeah, they, they really are. And I've interviewed them uh, several times. And, and they go around and teach life lessons, um, you know, things that are useful, how to manage a budget, how to do right things, how to start a business, that kind of stuff. Shouldn't those kinds of things, like an entrepreneurial class, wouldn't that be very productive to have uh,
4: Absolutely. in a, in a it, high school it, or middle school? It would be. In fact, I think it's critical that students learn life skills while in high school because theoretically, right, when they graduate high school, they're going to become emancipated adults, and they're going to enter the real world of work or higher education or some combination thereof. So they've got to have that preparation too. And by the way, Garrett, you know, the the Gallup poll, Phi, Phi Delta Kappa and the Gallup poll do an annual what they call back-to-school survey of parents. A National Survey represented a sampling of parents who participate. And consistently, parents say the most important uh, aspect of a high school education, secondary education, is to prepare young people for the, the, the real world. It's, it's to give them those life skills, to help them develop their interpersonal relationship skills. And, uh, and they actually, you know, they rank that as one of the highest, most important, missions of our secondary schools, and they rank dead last as the standardized testing. So that tells you, again, mm-hmm. something about how our school really the school system really isn't uh, listening to what parents, who are the ultimate consumers of education, what, what parents want.
0: And what can parents do? I mean, because they show up to the school board. I mean, here in Tucson, you have some crazies. Uh, Raul Grijalva's daughter, for God's sakes, is on the school board, and she's a complete nut. Um, I mean, what what can parents do to try to influence or change curriculum? I mean, because it seems like the parents that want to change it to what I believe and what you believe are ignored, and teachers that believe what I believe and you believe get shunned if they speak out, so they're forced to be quiet. Um, so let's start with, the, you know, what can parents do? And then, again, I just want to go back to what we covered in the last hour a little bit. What can teachers do if they feel like they're being targeted or chilled uh, if they speak up, or if they see any kind of anti-conservative stuff, and if they say any pro-conservative stuff or anything like that, if they're targeted, what can they do? I know I asked you a lot. Sorry. Yeah.
4: Well, if teachers uh, are rebuffed by the school board, uh, excuse me, if parents are rebuffed by the by the school board, then they they can take advantage of school choice. That's that's the one great thing that we well we there are many things, but that that is the the principal attribute of K-12 education in our state today. We have robust school choice. We have lots of diverse educational models. We even have, you know, open enrollment, which allows a parent to transfer their child to a school within the same district or to another school district. Here in Maricopa County, because I live in Scottsdale, but here in Maricopa County, four out of ten, almost half of K-8 students. Are attending a choice school—that is to say, they're attending a school other than the one they would be assigned to based on their home address. So, fortunately, there is an outlet. Uh, if, in fact, the school district is doctrinaire, uh, is dominated by a basically a left-of-center political machine, mm-hmm. yep. and and parents can go can go that route. Um, but for a teacher that is. Promoting, I mean, teachers are supposed to be agnostic in their political views. Uh, so teachers that are in the classroom and are promoting uh, a form of, of political activism or something like, you know, socialistic thinking, uh, that teacher should be reprimanded. That teacher should be uh, put on probation. That teacher should be closely supervised. In other words, they should be put on a short leash. You know what? Like, they like... have no business teaching young people.
0: Well, and, and you know, just really quick. An example of this, and nothing ever happens. We had a parent come forward last year. I can't remember, Ryan. Do you remember? Was it Tucson High or Tucson Magnet High? It might have been Tucson Mag. When, when um, there was a, there was supposed to be a mariachi assembly, and it turns out, and this was uh, right when uh, Trump was, you know, ending DACA and stuff like that. Turns out, it went from a mariachi assembly to a pro-DACA assembly where teachers were telling the kids why they should support DACA and why Trump is bad, and they had illegal alien students go up there and also tell the other students why they should support DACA and why Trump is bad. And that happened at an assembly during school hours at a Tucson high school. I think it was Tucson high.
4: Hmm. Well, to, to, to me, that, that's the you know that's the, the, the stuff that recall movements are made of. But, but if I become superintendent of public instruction, I will want to know that so that I can follow up on that. I can bring it. I can take it to the next level. Okay. Which is the state board of education, or even to the legislature. Don't forget, we have standing education committees in the House and Senate, and part of their legislative responsibilities is oversight. And to go back to the, you know, the teacher that you know that won't be a sheeple, that will buck the tide. I want that teacher to know that I will have their back. You know, they we are a right to work non union state. That is one of the things that makes Arizona an attractive place to live, start and expand a business. So I do not want that teacher subject to this extreme peer pressure and ostracized or made to believe by their peers their colleagues that somehow they have to go along when they believe that walking out or striking is against their principles.
0: Well, listen, man, this has been fascinating. Two hours. I love it. When you come down to Tucson, i got to get you in studio. I know uh, I you've been trying. Be um, I, cause yeah. I know there have been people calling up with a million questions, and I'm a selfish talk show host of this aspect, and I'm always scared <laughs> of taking questions, too. Uh, but it's because I don't go to a dentist's office and say, uh, let me work on your teeth. You know, I'm not, I'm not trained in that, so we have that. But listen, Frank Riggs, uh, I, I think this has been fascinating, and uh, as this goes on, too, I might, as this strike continues, might get you on even sooner than that. But when you come down to Tucson, please let me know. You have my number, okay?
5: Will do,
4: Garrett. Thank you for all the time today. I've enjoyed it.
0: You got it. Uh, take care. That's Frank Riggs. Riggs4AZ.com is his website running for state superintendent of schools right here in Arizona. Your reaction coming up. Your community. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the word BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's BILLS to 200 But what if I want to? Hi, nine oh eight on this uh, Trump day. Don't got time. April twenty fifth. It is your morning ritual. Me, Garrett Lewis, KNST AM seven ninety Tucson's most stimulating talk. You. Thank you. Three things I think you need to know. Number one, uh, all major school districts in the greater Tucson area closed tomorrow and Friday, and who knows how long they're they're putting out statements saying we don't know. It could be Monday. We don't know when it's, this. And they're calling it a. It's not a walkout. It's a strike. They're on freaking strike. Ugh, we'll see what happens. Second thing that I think you need to know Noah Carvelis, the uh, Tolleson music teacher that's the brains behind the Red for Red movement, doing all the interviews. He's the one firing them all up. He is a hardcore progressive nut job, anti capitalist, you name it. I mean, it's just, I have a story on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Gary Lewis Radio. It's on there. I also tweeted it out at Gary uh, Lewis. Follow me there. And this guy is literally out of his mind. Um, he, he tweeted out a month ago. Two personal favorite parts of Red for Ed so far. Seeing educators get empowered and the incredible discussions. This has started with my students on workers' rights, labor movements, civil disobedience, and fighting for necessary social change. That's one thing. He said that... Uh, y- you ready? You ready? This is this is great. Um, Teaching is political and silence is complicity. Really? Okay, great. He says it's... Uh, you have to... He tweeted this, things more educators should discuss, especially if they work with young white men in the classroom in 2018. He's white also. One, gender feminism and me too. two, race, three gun violence. This is the guy that's running this, and the teachers are walking out based on this guy's rhetoric. Third thing, I think you need to know. Debbie Lesko wins the uh, the special election up in the Sun City area. Uh, won it pretty easily over the Democrat, despite the media like, oh, this could the Dems have their eye on this. So, right, No chance. Three things I think you need to know. All right. Let's go to the calls. Your reaction to all this stuff. The teachers. I mean, uh, I mean, we had great calls in the first hour of the show. This is the hell of a show. And if you missed it, all right on the whole podcast up by 11 o'clock. com. Search Garrett Lewis. You'll get it. And I'll put the we'll put the interview up with Frank Riggs there and on my page at KNSC.com and on my Facebook page.
1: Can I start charging for this?
0: No. What are you going to walk out? Red for Ryan? <laughs> uh, yeah. <I'll coughs> Ralph, look better in blue. Thank you, Ralph. Thanks for waiting. Welcome to KNST. <laughs> Hey,
5: good morning, Garrett. You guys <laughs> cracked me up, man. So, hey, your call screener asked for my credit card so he could charge me for See? calling. See? Hey, See? I'm working it on it. It, I said, it. I can't give you my credit card. I'll give
0: you my Social Security number. Yeah, why not? Just do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, Ryan, if there's a free meal, Ryan's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I used <laughs> yeah, to teach yeah. when I was <laughs> teaching free enterprise,
5: the Tucson <laughs> Unified School District used to, back when I was a classroom teacher 40 years ago, they taught this class called Free Enterprise, and the state legislature had passed it in order for us social studies teachers to teach the essentials and benefits of the free enterprise system. And part of that was a compare and contrast kind of a thing of capitalism,
0: free enterprise with socialism and communism. So you actually taught the differences to explain them. But, but,
4: yeah, yeah. You and, know you and, know, what's and crazy? Then all of a
0: sudden, when I'm, no. I'm a 1968
5: graduate of Tucson High School. We're about to have our 50th. High school reunion. So I am certified by the government as an old guy. But the stuff that was coming out today talking with the guy that's running for superintendent up in in Maricopa County, I'm just stunned. I mean, you know, I have a degree in secondary ed from the University of Arizona. But I'm stunned by the absolute lack of the requirements for history, American government. You know, I I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that this had all dropped off. Yeah. When I was a high school teacher... Forty years ago, I've been a real estate broker now for 35 years and decided to make a career change. But when I was teaching out at Santa Rita High School, every student was required for one year of American history, one year of American problems, which was American government. It's interesting, back then they called American government American problems. (laughs) And, and And they had to have one semester of free enterprise, which was my favorite class to teach. And so, anyhow, you know, like, you know, here's I mean, the here's
0: the thing: if you if teachers today tried to compare and contrast capitalism versus socialism and explain why it's better to be a capitalist society and be free, and have free enterprise, they'd probably try to label you as a white supremacist. Right on! I hear what you're saying. You and know, it's not right. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's terrible. I mean, they actually think that Bernie Sanders has a freaking clue. I mean, it's like you just want to say, "All right, kids, look at America." Look at Venezuela.
5: <laughs> I know you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that part out. You know? Oh
0: hell no you don't. So and then, you know what? And I didn't ask Frank this, but it's like there is such and I got emails about this, and people saying I hope Frank realizes he's not naive and he realizes that there is such a grip by the left on the education system. And the reason they've done this is because they wanted to change what you were teaching. They want people to become more dependent on the government. And they want them oh, and then you. you have a bunch of uh-huh. you know, libs that are slash lib slash socialists, slash commies that want to push the Venezuela and the European model. That's what they want. They don't want the kids to learn what actually works. And they want to say what actually works is racist and sexist and wrong. Well,
5: I think a lot of what what you're talking about and what the superintendent candidate was talking about is what gave rise to the the alternative to public education. Yeah. Really. uh, I mean, the charter schools and the private schools, the Catholic school model has been there from the get-go, and it is still there. And uh, when I was growing up in this town, the only difference between going to South Point Catholic or Tucson High was you're going to be taught by some nuns and some, and some men of the cloth mm-hmm. at South Point. But everybody, everybody still had rules and regulations, and if you violated them, you, got, you, were, you were kicked out. You know. And, and now when you're talking about these classroom behavioral things, it is the tail's been wagging the
0: dog for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, again, if they kick people out, they lose federal funding. Well, yeah, and, 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 there's something wrong with that formula. Yep, and if they kick people out, then all of a sudden they have to report these things, and schools have discipline problems. They don't want that uh, that publicly known.
5: Well, look what happened down in Florida when they decided yeah. to not report all this stuff. You know.
0: Yeah, yep. you yep. are a thousand cool. percent right, man. Well, hey, I, carry on, Garrett. I we're, we're, <laughs> it.
5: we're listening to you. Well, thank Some, you, Because I drive around, and, you know, so I listen to you in the drive time in the morning. I catch ten minutes here, twenty minutes there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you you're, spread the word and. Uh, Keep on keeping
0: up, man. I will, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, you man. Bye-bye. You know, I did read really quick. This is what's crazy, okay? Um, I want to make sure I got this right. Why why start now, right? (laughs) Why start now? Um, But I think the schools are going to be closed, what, tomorrow and Friday? But I believe, I want to say they're still going to serve. Yes, yes, yes. Here we go. This is what schools are about now. It's not about education. You ready for this? In the local paper. Amphitheater, Flowing Wells, Marana, Sunnyside, and Two Side Unified have plans, even though they're closed tomorrow and Friday, have plans to provide free and reduced-cost breakfast and lunch for students. But beyond that, the walkout has crippled school's ability to care for students. So schools where you're supposed to actually get a freaking education have now become a second kitchen. Yep, don't worry about us actually educating you properly, but we'll still give you free meals and reduced meals. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Really? My goodness. Pat, thank you for waiting. Welcome to KNST.
6: Hey, Garrett, how are you? All right. Um, I generally wouldn't call into a talk show, but after hearing the guy who, uh, what what was his name again? I apologize. Uh,
0: Frank Riggs.
6: Frank Riggs. After hearing him talk, I had to call in because his comments about discipline were, as best I can say, naive at best. Uh, the problem, part of the problem is, even when you have school districts that care about discipline and try to do something about discipline, um, as soon as they try to kick a kid out, the parents scream, oh, we're going to sue you. The school districts have no money to fight that lawsuit, so they roll over. I know this based on for uh, a number of instances, but... In particular, I know the guy that used to be the super or the school board chairman out at Diamondville, way west of here okay. okay, and they tried to kick kids out, and the school board basically voted nope we 'll leave the kids in because we can't afford to fight a lawsuit and to me it's a real, real, simple solution. Hmm. What you do is, for the state of Arizona, would be required to have on staff, now it costs more money, but you know what? If you can get discipline taken care of, in my mind, as a taxpayer, it's worth it. Some lawyers on staff that their sole job in life is to be there to assist the schools to fight these ridiculous lawsuits so the school districts can say, you know what, we're going to take this in hand, we're going to fight them, this kid's being kicked out, that's the end of it, you fight it, we're there. We're coming back after you because your kids are disrupting the schools.
0: You know what? Hang on a second. I, this is very interesting. What you know? What if you have some you know very successful lawyers that have a conservative lean toward them, volunteer their services pro bono, and say, "I'll defend you for this because I, I like you said." What 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 would stop a parent from suing and saying, "My kid can't get a good quality education because kids are disrupting left and right"? Well, you know what?
6: I I, I agree. And if my kid was in school and there was a disruptive disruption in the classroom, I would consider suing. But you know what? I wouldn't sue the school district. I would sue the parents. The the, the problem nowadays, and my my wife and I feel very strongly about education, okay? We volunteer weekly at a school here in the Flowing Walls District to help kids that can't read, can't write. They're in the fifth grade. They don't know their math facts. It's absurd. And yet they
0: keep getting passed because yeah, that, Wells that, that's Wells wants right. to get their money. Well, that,
6: that's a whole oh, other man. issue that I could go on for about an hour about, I about bash. a so- solution that I have to that, but that's where it's not really my solution. It's the way it used to be in
3: school. Mm-hmm.
6: You know, you, you don't you don't know the stuff. You don't pass, period. Yeah. And it's considered to be racist, which is absurd. It's racist that you're assuming kids can't learn this stuff. They can learn it. It's ridiculous. I see it every week when we help tutor these kids. They can learn it, but you know, it'll be considered racist if you if you hold a kid back, but I would say that if a kid can't do C level at that grade level in four really fundamental things, which is reading, reading comprehension, math, and spelling, they don't get moved on. Period. That's the end of the story. They get held back. And you know what? I would bet 90% of those kids, if they were faced with that prospect and knew it at the beginning of the year and their parents knew it, would pass at a C level. You know what? I remember
0: going, you know, again, I'm 41, but kids got left back when I was going to school. And that was like the biggest fear ever. So it motivated you. You didn't want to be the kid that was left back, you know? And, and it's like nowadays you can't hurt people's feelings, but that's just the way it is. And, you know, I wonder, I, I feel bad for teachers because it all comes down to funding. And I get it. There's no real good way to say a school deserves money or doesn't deserve money. And they get rewarded with more kids passing. But then that skews the way they grade kids and judge them. And kids that normally would fail are pushed through because schools, you know, the administrators are a bunch of dirtbags that just want the money. And it's really a disservice to what they're doing in educating kids. And I'm wondering... You well, know, would what hanging with teachers, stand up. Would they? You know, I I can't really tell the teacher. The teacher will do their best to try to de- get parents involved, but that's where principals need to come in and call the parents and have meetings and say you need to have your kid do a better job.
6: But you know what? When parents, I I mean, I, we we talk to these teachers on a weekly basis about those exact kind of things. Yeah. Parents just say, "Not my problem. He's in school. He's your problem. I don't want to hear it. Don't call me." I mean, the the things you hear out of parents nowadays. When I was a yeah. kid. When I was a kid, and I'm an old fart, I'm retired, when I was a kid, if you wanted to go to a PTA meeting, you had to get there an hour early else you'd be walking because every parent and their brother was at the PTA yep. meeting. Now they don't care. Now now you can park by the front door. You know, it's, it's, you can have the best, best paid and best teachers in the world, but if the kids are not willing to learn because their parents aren't behind them, you're not going to get them educated, and that's the reality. You've got to force the parents to get involved, and and make, and I mean force it. Nowadays, you can't voluntarily do it, and the way you force them, in my opinion, is say, look, we don't want to do this, but your kid's going to be held back if he doesn't do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the only problem is that, again, the principals don't want to do that because then they get less money. That, yeah, but guess what? If I agree. It, if, if I agree state, with you. If the
6: state requires it and it's a state test, Take it out of the hands of the school, period,
0: mm.
6: and the well, only thing you have to worry about is people uh falsifying the test
0: well, I think I think what you have to do is shame the damn parents, you know it has to come from you know elected leaders, the stupid mayor it's got to come from the principal it's got you got to do a better job, your kid is not going to make it in life, and don't put this crap on a like you have to get tough and, well, and you yeah, know
6: i I was listening to a program on this station, I believe it was where they unfortunately, unfortunately, it was um, taped delay or it was taped, so I couldn't call in because I immediately ran for the phone. Some PhD from the University of Arizona was talking about how he felt it was mean spirited to hold a kid back.
5: Oh, well, you know
6: what? I think it's a lot more mean spirited for a kid to graduate from high school who can't read, write, and do math. To me, that's much more mean spirited than holding the kid back in the third grade. I, I'm sorry. I just think that, and and I honestly believe, like you said, no one wants to be held back if they were faced with that prospect. Period. And we're not talking. I was trying to tutor a kid with the Ames test back a few years ago that needed some help. Mm-hmm. I was dumbfounded. What's on there? What was on there? I, it's not the basics. It's you know, in in and, and I'm all for what the teachers say. Well, we want to teach them to think. We want them to teach to problem solve. Problem is the kids who can't read, write, do math, or, you know what I mean, and can't spell, that's the least of their problems. They can't worry about problem solving. We need to get them up to grade level first.
0: You're right. Listen, man, great call. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you for your insight and your opinion. Mm-hmm. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. 923, we'll continue. 880-KNST, Eight eight zero five six seven eight. More of your calls coming up. Uh, and also more about, uh, again, this, uh, this nut job. That is leading the way, and I still get emails and messages from teachers, you don't understand, what do we have to do? I thought it was a great point by by uh, Frank. Listen, the way our government works, the governor asks for something, and the legislature has to figure out ways to fund it. And you can't get that in two freaking days. You're three weeks from school being over. And these tool bags, these, te- that's what you, I'm sorry teachers, you are. You're walking out right now, leaving the kids in a lurch, leaving parents in a lurch when you could actually you you know what happens the budget is not doodled june 30th in the state of arizona give the the governor said he wants to give you a raise you don't trust him fine don't trust him you got to give the legislature more than 3 days or a week to figure out how to fund it give it this summer if it doesn't work out don't show up at the beginning of school year next year there's it's more to it it's more to it we'll continue uh 924 morning ritual Garrett lewis knst am 792 sounds most Stimulating talk. I know a lot of people like that, and it's Gary Lewis here. Uh, But until Alexa listens when I say, Make me a sandwich! And it happens, I think think work still needs to be done. To change it to the guy voice, maybe he'll make you a sandwich. Alex. Probably. Alex, make me a sandwich. We're suckers. (laughs) Yes, dear. (laughs) Alright, it's going to be sunny and about uh, 94 today. Well, partly cloudy. There could be some clouds. Whatever. It's sunny outside. 79 right now. Let's go to Annie real quick. Annie, welcome to KNST. Hi.
7: Hey, Garrett. Hi. Um, I called earlier this morning before you had your guest on. Okay. And I had caught on the news that um, they said 60% of the students are on paid lunches.
3: Mm-hmm. And wow. so
7: if 60% of, this, of people are poor, then why are they asking for raises? We can't afford it. You can't afford to keep taxing people. So then I went and did some research, mm. and I found a New York Times article that was from January 16, 2015, that said that the Agriculture Department allows schools with the majority of low-income students to offer free lunches to all, whether they mm-hmm. qualify or not. So there's a lot of money coming in from the federal government.
0: And they have to, have offer, to keep it going. And now yeah. you know
7: why the lunches are going to be offered.
0: Yep. Because they get money from the feds.
2: They're getting money from the feds.
0: You know, this this is, what is this really? Because they'll try to say this is just nice and the right thing to do. But what this is, this just caused more government dependence. That's all it We're is. government
7: dependence, and yeah. then you got parents that don't need to take advantage of it, and it's a lot of money for food.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. But again, look, parents don't like, the, like the last caller said, parents say, it's not my kid's problem the kid can't read, That's your problem. You send him to school, what's the deal? And then, it's not my problem the kid's hungry, I send him to school, he gets fed. Parents apparently aren't supposed to do anything anymore in certain areas.
2: Well,
7: and that, and the fact that how many were eating the lunches that Michelle Obama planned? Oh give God,
0: yeah, and yeah, They threw all that they crap out. It was, to eat, but but it's it's all there again. This is where they have to say, hey, parents, step up, do your job. I guarantee you, in some of these in some of these households, where they they can't afford to, or they just don't want to, because they expand what the definition of poor is. I guarantee these people can afford to give their kids two bucks to go eat food, or or go get a loaf of bread and some cold cuts, and give your kid. Give your kids some freaking food for lunch, right? But they don't want to do it. And I guarantee these same households have big screen TVs, Xbox, and a PlayStation. A nice yeah, iPhones. I guarantee they have it all. They have oh, yeah. it all.
7: But, you know, part of the problem, too, and this is make, what makes me mad, is I'm sitting here, my husband's retired, we've never had kids. I do not mind paying for legal kids. But we are, mm-hmm. we are bringing people up from the border, and we're, we're putting them into Tucson Unified. They're busing them back and forth. That costs a ton of money. I don't think it's fair. I don't think we have to – plus the indoctrination. So there's two things going on, and everything's about raising taxes. Even if for the roads, let's mm-hmm. raise taxes, raise yep. taxes. It's getting to the point where you can't afford anything. And are not we not the sixth poorest in the country? here in tucson uh we
0: were. we were as of a few years ago and it hasn't gotten any better i'll tell you that what
7: are we first now probably probably <laughs>
0: third probably who knows but yeah we yeah, were the sixth knows, course we were the it's sixth frustrating course
7: because everything's about raising taxes or yeah. no start managing your money
0: you manage your money and by the way look what happens when you lower taxes look what happened when trump did that look at businesses exactly. boom i know i know exactly it's crazy anyway thank you well thank you for sharing and i appreciate you listening take care thank you you got it I- bye-bye 880 KNST, 8805678, it just creates dependency over and over and over again, and people take advantage of the system, and like enough is enough, and she's right again, I can't say enough about the the illegals. My buddy, his wife, at a class last year, 27 kids. Some couldn't speak English, I mean, it was breaking her heart, they didn't have shoes, some of them, she couldn't, she'd call contact information, nobody would answer, she didn't know who they were living with. Trump gets elected, magically her class shrinks from 27 to, I believe, 13. And she can teach the kids there, they want to learn. The other kids couldn't speak English, they were holding the other kids back. I mean, there's a lot here. But you know what? You get these stupid moronic, you know, whether it's Trujillo or the last superintendent of TUSD or the Amphi superintendent or Sunnyside. They don't care because the more kids in seats, the more money they get. And that's just a damn shame. They're not real educators, and they should feel ashamed. They should feel ashamed. They're 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 just taking advantage of the system and they're not you're not producing. Smart people for the better of the country. You're not doing it. You're a joke. And again, all these teachers walking out, you're a freaking joke too. You. All, I've had it. I've absolutely had it. We'll continue coming up in five. Here's the news. And silence is complicity. The guy's nuts. And he's leading your movement, teachers. This is what you're following. I am judging. Third thing I think you need to know. Stop making me on. Third thing is that uh, Debbie Lesko won the uh, special election up in the valley, in the West Valley. She won the election, the Republican, despite the media saying, oh, this could go Democrat and it really means Trump is done, done. Uh Uh-huh, right. She won pretty easily. Three things I think you need to know. Again, the story about Noah Carvellis on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Gary Lewis radio, like it and follow it. I did some uh, Facebook live during the show. I'll be doing it again at Gary Lewis on Twitter. I tweeted it out as well, retweeted because I think it's really good. Uh, Let's go to uh, James first. James has been waiting. Welcome to KNST. What's up, man?
8: Uh, Morning, Garrett. It's been a good show. You've covered a multitude of uh, issues. I'd like to focus in on the administration and discipline issue. Focus. Okay, it's simple, Garrett. When the student, the problem child is sent to administration, they have a multitude of ways of dealing with that child. And that can be individualized down to what the principal wants. Hmm. That's where it goes, and that's why administration is taking the responsibility upon themselves.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: And when they tell you, well, administration's going, like when you brought up the ins- issue of the principal, they said, well, this is going to be handled by administration. It's a disciplinary issue. All that is is a wall put up because what they have is a multitude of ways of doing it. They just don't know which way they're going to address the, that principal, or they don't want to make it public. But it would be public because if the principal, or teacher was terminated, that would come out in the termination. Hmm. So this, it's private issue. No, 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 that's a facade. That's not true either. They're not telling you. What they're doing is they're, they're, they're deflecting or causing you to have a little tunnel vision so you don't step back and look at the whole thing.
0: Well, you know, that's why, look, I think Frank's a smart guy. I think he'd be a good um, a good spokesperson, a good leader to try to influence Getting education back on track, but at the end of the day, and he can influence the legislature. But at the end of the day, it comes down to local, you know, and and it and it's the local school board, and parents need to get involved and fire by not electing the school board members that are too wussified to have discipline problems solved, to have good policies. Uh, It's it's the local school board that creates all the policies. So you need to get involved, and you need to fire these freaking people if they're an absolute failure. And let's face it, the TUSD board has been an absolute failure, you know? They still can't come up with anything. You have that whack Rachel Sedgwick. I mean, she's living on planet Mars, for God's sakes, and she can't come up with an idea of what to do if a kid is acting bad in class. You know what? You know what you do? You have a freaking room with a teacher in there, or some kind of, or 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 just uh, an employee. And if a kid is that unruly, you stick him in that. You do in-school suspension. You get him out of the way so the other kids can actually learn. And you call the parents. And you don't worry about if you have to expel the kid, you expel the kid. I know you lose federal funding, but you got to get the kids educated. And these other kids get in the way, and it stops the teacher from doing their damn job. And it kills morale. And then you still have these, you know, Adelita Grahalva and these nut jobs and the Crystal Fosters of the world that are on the school board that just get in the way because, well...
8: They have their agenda. Yeah, they their have their political uh, aspirations. I know. I and know. that's what it comes down to. It's a scheme more than anything else, Garrett. When you hear a lot of these politicians and you hear the bureaucrats, your administrators, because hmm. that's what they are, bureaucrats, mm-hmm. A lot of the language they use is to deflect or to, or, or to stop you and hope you simply just go away. That's the first tactic they want, to mm-hmm. stall and stop you so you'll go away. And a lot of it works. With them, when they hear us complaining, they want to know the resolution. They don't want just a complaint. They want the resolution to the complaint, something they can work off of. Then they take it and they go take it through the bureaucracies, such as in your school bureaucracies, There'll be risk management. There'll be the the political aspect as far as the attorneys and everyone else that have their say in the matter. And then out of that, they'll formulate their opinion. And that's what it comes down to because they know that they're going to be open at one angle or another.
0: You're right. And listen, I appreciate the phone call. Look, at the end of the day, being on the school board, it's easy for us to complain, and it's a difficult job, and it's made to encompass your life because they don't want good people that don't have a lot of time, that have jobs and kids and everything else, they don't want good people to have to put in the effort. And the other side is dedicated in putting in the effort. And I guess it just needs to change. It needs to change. Thank you. Bill, welcome to KNST. Hi, Bill. Oh, is the phone Is the phone up, Brian? Hang on. Bill, welcome to KNST. Hi. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you now. What's up, man?
1: Uh, I was a teacher for uh, 37 years in District 1. Okay. And uh, things were a little bit different then, but uh, this business with the strike, they had something happen in the 70s, and the talk was terrible in the school. And uh, they were getting ready at the end of the year, thinking about the next year. And I asked them, um, well, since we're on contract, we should be there. Uh, what would they do? To, how would they? far would they go to stop somebody? And there was some very angry attitudes. And... Um, I thought, you know, I'm going to show up. I would probably be as stubborn about showing up as they were and trying to keep me. That that presents a real problem.
0: So wait a second. So you, when you were a teacher back in the day, they were talking about going on strike, and you were yes. trying to figure out if you showed up for work, what would they do to you?
1: Uh, I asked them straight up at lunch, some of them, and they were so adamant. They were so aggressive, and I thought, uh, well, where am I going to park, and how am I going to get there? And don't mess with me. If I want to go in, I want to go in. Don't try to stop me. Mm-hmm. You, can do what you want, I'll do what I want. But there are people still today that don't talk to each other over that. Wow. And that was in the seventies, and it, it doesn't seem to be fruitful. Also, the students don't get the right uh, idea here. They get the idea they can go out too, and all we do is snowball a problem.
0: You're right. You know, it, because now you know, students are going to see the teachers. If they don't get their way, you know what? I'll be like the teacher. I don't, if I don't get my way, I'm not going to show up either. That's a great point. I'm just going to. It's just like learning from your parents. They're learning from the teachers. Yeah.
1: And they go right straight down into a hole.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I yeah. didn't have much of a discipline problem in my world. Um, I did have a, a student teacher once, and I asked them how they, were, how they viewed teaching. What, what, was, what were they trying to do? And they used their hands, and they explained that they were going to take the kids on the bottom and get them up to the kids on the top. And I said, well, I disagree completely. I teach from the top down. I want to keep the smart kids smarter and pull everybody up from the bottom.
0: Exactly.
1: Advances. And they hadn't thought about that.
0: Exactly. You know, that's that's like when you play sports. You generally play down to the competition, and you don't want to do that. You want to play the best of the best.
1: I coached for 35 years. I know exactly what you're saying.
0: So you know what it is. So what would you do to these teachers, by the way? Say again? What would you do to these teachers that are striking, right, that are going to be striking tomorrow and Friday? I don't have any time for them. Would you fire I, them?
1: Absolutely uh, impatient. Well, if they voided their contract by doing this, and I don't know what's in the current contract. Oh, they
0: are. They're avoiding it. It is illegal for them to strike in the state of Arizona. They, they are avoiding it.
1: i just simply find somebody else. You know, if I were in the school... Um, I would take two or three classes of my subject together. That would be all right. We'd find a room and just go on. I know they're short of teachers all the time now. Apparently they're short of teachers before they even get the school started. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a recommendation on what's going on by itself. Yeah, I It guess. was a wonderful thing for me in my time, and I was in wonderful departments doing really, really an enjoyable time, uh, my suggestion was that the teachers can control a lot of this, but it is true that at the end of, by 2005-10, to the parents, let's go backwards. When I started, they had the 60s problem in society, the 68-9 problem. When I started in 69, I had some students who became parents during the 60s so they had a certain attitude about the free free life. Mm-hmm. And when I finished, I had their kids. And then, so the parents over 30 years changed. They changed a lot. They became what they were when they were younger, and their kids became free to think completely different, and uh, most of that was lack of respect for authority.
3: Yeah,
1: you're right. And it, went, it just keeps going, and... I just, uh, it's a shame, and I talk to a retired teacher friend of mine all the time, and I say, you know, I'm glad I'm not there.
0: Yeah, and thank you for the phone call. Listen, again, when I was in kindergarten, Mrs. Gerson duct-taped Stephen to a chair, and Stephen's mom came in and thanked her for doing it. And that was 1982.
7: We'll continue. It's KNST. Is it national security or discrimination? Elisa Brady, Fox News. Arguments at the U.S. Supreme Court over the latest version of the president's travel ban. Fox's Jared Halpern was there, now live in Washington. Part
6: of what the Supreme Court is considering is whether or not the president's executive order limiting travel from several Muslim-majority countries is aimed at excluding Muslims from the U.S.
0: After the executive order, this latest executive order was promulgated, the president tweeted these three virulent anti-Muslim videos.
6: And Neil Katyal arguing for opponents of the policy, but the government's attorney, Solicitor General Noel Francisco, says if it is a Muslim ban, it's ineffective.
5: Since not only does it exclude the vast majority of the Muslim world, it also omits three Muslim-majority countries that were covered by past orders. He
6: seemed to win agreement from conservative-leaning justices that the ban falls within the president's national security authority. Lisa.
7: Jared's standing ovations for the French president as he addressed a joint meeting of Congress, emphasizing a special relationship with the U.S., but also some key differences. Fox's Rachel Sutherland live in D.C. Lisa, President Emmanuel Macron said France fully supports upcoming talks with North Korea and shares concerns about nuclear proliferation. But he also said the U.S. should not abandon the Iran nuclear deal without something substantial in its place.
5: We will not leave the floor to the absence of rule. We will not leave the floor to this conflict of powers in Middle East.
7: President Macron says France wants to work with the U.S. in a new deal, saying Iran shall never possess any nuclear weapons. Not now, not in five years, not in 10 years, never. Lisa? Rachel, a police officer shot at a Home Depot in North Dallas yesterday has died. We come before you this morning with broken heart. Dallas Police Chief Renee Halls says a second officer and a security guard remain in critical condition. The suspected gunman is in custody. Fox News, fair and balanced.